0: Warning, this podcast contains scenes of explicit nonsense and lore.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 69.5 and season 6 finale of the Resident Evil podcast. That's 0. 0.5 more goodness and 0. 0.5 more man flesh. I'm Nick, <laughs> but I know this <as> Neptune. <laughs> Sorry. Jesus.
2: <laughs> After what we were doing. <laughs>
1: Let's see who's joining us today. He's now the official Resident Evil Eurogamer editor. It's the Batman Hello there. He's our star B.O.W. It's Stars Tyrant. Hello. He's a fan of epic proportions. It's Rombie. Hello. And still appearing in bookshelves across the world. It's George Trevor. Hi. Hello. Coming up on today's podcast, it's the season six finale and we finish the season with one final look at Resident Evil Village in our trilogy of podcasts. This time, as it's a .5 episode, we hand the reins over to you guys and your thoughts on the eighth mainline entry. Oh yes, we have sent the call out to our listeners and you have not disappointed. We've had a plethora of uh, MP3 call-ins which we're going to be playing today. So everyone can listen to what what, what all the other fans are thinking. Expect an eclectic mix of positivity and negativity uh, to try and balance out uh, what everyone has thought of this mainline game. So let's start with the first one comes in from Umbrella Inc.
3: In preparation for Village, I did a complete series playthrough of my entire collection and realized that there is something that makes this series very special. This series has given fans nearly three decades worth of continuity and that's been delivered in many different ways. I feel this is why Resident Evil endures. There's something gameplay-wise for everybody and it's all shared under the same umbrella of the story and characters we love. Enter Resident Evil Village. Not only does this game achieve the goal of being a worthy successor to Resident Evil 7, but I feel it is also a worthy successor within the franchise itself. Capcom in the past has really struggled to marry Resident Evil's horror roots with the more action-oriented games that came later. Here, I find this to be one of Village's greatest successes. Village differs from games like Resident Evil 6, which was a jack of all trades and a master of nothing, and it doesn't suffer the genre ambiguity of the Revelation titles. We're given a reason why Ethan is doing everything that he's doing, and it's contextualized in a story and setting that is beautifully interconnected and is varied but never feels tacked on. We're treated to a fun cast of characters that thankfully Capcom chose not to spoil aside from everyone's favorite tall lady. My first playthrough of the game was just entrancing the pacing the locations the objectives the story beats as a veteran of the series it's been a long time since i had to pick my jaw up off the floor during some of the story revelations for me the part where you find out what's inside that flask for the first time is gonna go down as a series shocking moment i really think capcom has made a resident evil game that does what resident evil does best It's a dark, challenging story. It is really well-paced. It's filled with interesting puzzles. And right now, I think this is a wonderful time to be a Resident Evil fan and have a game that we can be really, really proud of. Thank you guys for letting me share my thoughts. This is my favorite podcast to listen to, and you guys are doing amazing work.
1: Thank you, you so much, Umbrella Egg. What a lovely, positive start to the podcast.
2: I know. I got a, I disagreed with so much of <laughs> <laughs> uh, it.
4: I, sorry, I just need to backtrack to the start. Six years old in starting the French Wow. No, Jesus.
2: I mean, I must say, I'm very reluctant to disagree with anything you know, someone who clearly knows what they're talking about and has been invested in, in the series um, and has, you know, such a sincere connection with it. Was it just a couple of things just that I that I found, I, I just couldn't agree with them. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm brilliant, but, you know, thank, thanks for your call, was that I did find areas of this game tacked on, you know, in the sense that they felt like almost four different sections of... It's almost of a theme park, or like Westworld. You know, you, you you've got Future World, and and you had Sea World, and you and 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 so for me, and also, and this was my problem throughout the game that that parts that should have been for me jaw dropping, should have been tense, should have been horrifically frightening. I found myself, and this is hard for you know, quite a morose person, that I tend to be, I'm laughing out loud. I, I almost laughed out loud when I discovered that was the fate at Rose. It just seemed so preposterous. And also because of the fact that it was being delivered by a very jolly jester. I see Wait. what
5: you're saying, and I, and I do do kind of understand why you would feel that because the duke telling you the big story points is a kind of detriment to the game. I will say, however, Ethan's reaction to it makes it sh- made, it certainly made it shocking for me. I actually thought I was a fairly jaw dropping moment and one of the sort of darker areas the series has explored.
4: Especially for me because I missed that file that was sitting right behind where the key is in the the room with the sorry the house with the red chimney. I somehow missed that file the first time I played and if you read that file it tells you it gives you it's not even hints it blatantly basically talks about the baby being split between four turning into a crystal so I missed that and then all of a sudden I'm being told this situation by by the Duke and you realise Oh, hang on what <laughs> Oh, that's and,
2: interesting because yeah, I missed that file as well okay that's interesting
4: but as I think if you had read that file I think yeah. I, I, I think that file was actually mistimed I think putting it there was a bad idea I think the fact that I missed it was kind of a good thing because if I had read that and it's so blatant and then I find out because then Ethan's reaction to that file is also well being in that room is that he goes oh this isn't the information I was expecting I need to go talk to the Duke for find out more but he doesn't seem shocked in the room at the time because it, he makes those comments regardless of whether or not you pick up the File, so it's kind of weird when you pick up the file, and then he makes that comment that you're like, Oh, hang on, that's disconnected. Yeah, but isn't I, I that
5: file I'll... after you get told the revelation with the flask?
4: I don't think it oh, is because I it was. You... maybe I'm wrong. Hang on, because you, you can't, so you come, you've got the so first it, flask
5: at the crossroads. He tells you that you're holding your daughter's head in your hands, and then he tells you to go to seek for the house for the red chimney. Oh, maybe
4: maybe it is that order. I I feel like he doesn't... Does he do it before he tells you to go to the place with the red chimney? Or is it after? I thought he... Maybe I'm going crazy. Maybe you're right.
5: I I think so, because the first thing Ethan does to the Duke when he arrives at the crossroad immediately after the castle is show... He, he like... um,
4: That's right. Okay. Yeah, forget what I have said. Hey,
5: Mr. Winters, you're holding your daughter's head right now. (laughs)
4: Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah. Never mind. Forget what I've said from my personal point of view, I think what Umbrella Inc. has says uh, does resonate. The I, I think the in-game storyline and what Ethan's personal journey is, is moving, and, and I think it's told extremely well, and I think he, he's... Uh, I, I agree with him on the point that it's it's a worthy continuation of 7. I percent agree with that, yeah.
5: too. It's funny that you mentioned uh, like Future Zone and stuff like that, George, because I have actually seen someone on Twitter, and I forgive me if you're a listener and I can't remember the name, but someone did literally link the map of the crystal maze, and say instead, <laughs> village is is like this structure oh in God. a video game, and I and I can kind of understand that. Actually, I can I can get that, and that's not me throwing a funny aside or an anecdote or anything. Like the actual structure well, of it is quite similar to how like, the crystal maze was was laid out. I think yeah. I think
4: it's funny that we we talk about we, we we talk about the idea that a lot of things in this have been definitely heavily influenced, and you know, it wouldn't surprise me if there are other influences to the idea of having the design kind of areas or even on a developmental stage you know they went right it's easier for us to divvy up the workload between people planning and designing Mm -hmm. different areas that they want to do
2: The, the, the problem i have with that is it almost feels like there's more like not not sinister motivation but there's something there's something further behind that because was it I think was it Kato Sam one of the producers that that specifically made the point of saying we've toned down the horror from Resident Evil 7 which for me you know, I, like, think, yeah, I, just, I think that's been blown s- s- out of
4: proportion I think that whole thing's yeah. I'm looking at the reaction online I think if you go back and look at his actual original comments under the context of what it actually was they're just talking about in the moment scares like making sure that tonally it's not always about being constantly frightening and that's fine I think that's a you don't want people under constant stress otherwise it's not an enjoyable experience that's literally but, what they're saying they're yeah, not no, saying no, I, I, I did, the overall tone we can't have scary moments or anything it's just about talking about constantly being scared because i've read reviews from people who don't really play horror games very much and they struggle through bits of of village there's you know some pretty obvious bits and some bits that i was quite surprised that people would find scary personally
2: I didn't mention KJ-Sun to focus on that. I didn't get the chance to finish. I mentioned it because he went on to say the reason why he was doing that is that he didn't want to close off Resident Evil to just uh, fans that would be specifically looking for a horror uh, experience. He wanted to open up the game to, to a wider audience, and I feel that's what they've done with having these different sections. It gave them an opportunity, almost an, an excuse, if you will, to have different, specific different types of gameplay. So you've got House Benavento, which is more like you know Silent Hill and, and the stuff that I'm looking for and I really enjoyed about Resident Evil 7. Uh, but then you've got the, you know, the, the more action oriented areas and for me it just almost like you know not disingenuous I just felt that they're bringing something into the series that, I, that for me I'm not wanting to see that his excuses we're opening up to a wider audience he actually specifically said you know the reason we're turning down the horror is that we want different gamers of, of different tastes to be able to dip in and out of it but for me they're trying to be everything to all men whereas I think perhaps that they should just keep this particular IP to a survival you know to a survival horror taste
1: all right, well, thank you so much, Umbrella Inc., for that. Our next calling comes from uh, our patron, Harbear. So let's see what he has to say.
0: Hey, guys. hairbear here. Wanted to take a moment to just call in, provide some thoughts on Village now that I've had a chance to complete it. Wanted to start out by saying congratulations to the team for getting to play the game early, you lucky dogs. Wouldn't have happened without the hard work and dedication you've shown to the podcast, so well-earned. Could not be happier for you guys if at the time I was uh, not a little jealous. But now that I've played it, the big thing that stood out to me and the one thing I wanted to kind of call out here with my call-in was the environment, specifically the village itself. Coming into the game, I really thought, man, for a game to be called Village, this village better be good. And in my opinion, absolutely was. Um, in fact, I'd say it's probably one of the best environments I've ever played in any game, uh, the village itself. I think all of the environments were good and varied, but the, the one thing I wanted to kind of call out was the village itself. I loved the way the village was almost like a character. It changed, it evolved over time as as things happened, as things blew up, or you got new items and could unlock things like the wells. It changed, it morphed, it became something different every time you were in it, and I thought that was really cool. I think the team, the Capcom team, did a really good job with that. It, it almost felt like a Dark Souls environment where you approach it, you see it, it's intimidating at first, but then as you kind of dig in, you start to find shortcuts and you start to unlock things here and there. And it just did a really good job, I guess, just to come back to it, it did a really nice job. I'm a big fan of environments that can feel different just by coming at them from a different angle. And I think that was one of the things uh, on top of many that the village did really, really well. So again, congrats to the team. Congrats on the success of the podcast. You guys have been doing great. It's been keeping me sane during quarantine, and I appreciate it. And
1: yeah. Thank you so much, Harbert. Obviously focusing on the environment, and something that the, the developers really hammered home before the game came out um, in some of their press um, developers' interviews, that they wanted to portray the village as being a separate entity almost. That's something we, talk, we spoke about a, you know, back on one of our earlier podcasts. Will they achieve that goal of the village itself being its own character? Harbour obviously thinks that it did. And I'm I'm minded to agree. I think, you know, as you go through the game, you kind of, you know, come through that snowy terrain and then you see this huge village and it's obviously... And you can see, like, the windmill in the background... You know, and what's great is that you think it's just part of the background, but then it becomes, you know, playable, and you've got the castle and so forth. And you do, you, you it feels wide open, and it is, it's very much in the same manner as the Spencer Mansion or the RPD, in that it's this huge open area that you think you can go everywhere, but the game doesn't let you go everywhere. But you have that feeling of it being intimidating, um, and then when you, as you start to explore, you find which ways you can go, which ways you can't go, and, and as Harbert says, you know, as you come in and out of the village different areas unlock you get different keys and then you can go back you can go animal hunting you can use the well wheels you know to you know find new items
4: it's-, it's, it's interesting when you revisit an area like for example after you leave the castle And if you look up, you can see the castle and it's kind of drenched in a a bit of a misty fog, snowiness. And then if you come back later on when you revisit, when you take the boat up the river and you go to drop the bridge, if you look up, it's bright and sunny now, late afternoon-ish. And it's sunny and you can see the entire castle for everything now because it's no longer shrouded in uh, this misty cloud anymore it's um yeah it's quite a quite an interesting change i think this comes back to a bit what george was saying like the, the village is both really good in tonal consistency for the actual environment but then like the, in some ways it feels a little bit disjointed as a gameplay motif like so i like the village as a village and i think those metroidvania light elements of being able to re-explore and open access areas that you weren't able to before is really cool and i think that was one of my favorite parts of the game is you know especially in the village going back using the wheel well wheel to open the access getting to areas that haven't been new paths have been created or changed due to events that have happened while you've been away hidden secrets all that sort of stuff i love that sort of stuff but then it comes back to like when we're in the factory and the factory segment goes on way too long and it's it's such a it's not a jarring shift but it's a shift from the style of environment, which was a big change. I felt like the castle definitely belonged to the village. It definitely felt like the waterways and the sunken village all kind of felt well. And the fact there's a factory there doesn't feel bad to me. It definitely feels like it could be part of the village. But once you spend too much time in there, then it starts to pull you out a bit. That's my my biggest issue with it I think otherwise but everything else with the actual villages is, is is very good and it's probably one of the most consistent environments that Capcom has made for one of these games I think other
2: than 7 I, I absolutely love the village area I, I really did I mean I would have actually wanted it to have been a, a progressively sort of large area where you make your way to the castle and I just would have I mean you know just there's a, some things about this game just changing would have made it for me just in my top three Resident Evil games I just kind of found by comparison certain sections particularly Moreau quite sort of Anemic by comparison, and no, and, and like you say, the, the the change over time, and and I think Nick mentioned this on the previous podcast, the detail in the different houses and, and the way it kind of set the atmosphere with the kind of the religious iconography that we got, and and the mystery. And Batman said before, like you know, why he's loved initially turned on to the the, the uh, original game, he kind of an investigation through the Spencer Mansion, and 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 I I loved, I kind of felt like that in this game at the beginning of Village when I'm going through and 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 looking through these mysterious houses and these, you know, fascinating kind of you know symbols on the walls and things and I was really hoping that these kind of these details that um is it Louisa or Elena when she says you know that castle is full of nothing but blood and lo- traps or something and you know you are just wanting to find out more and, and again that's kind of why I like, you know we discussed in the in the, uh, the lost section where I kind of felt let down. I didn't really feel we got enough of that in the castle. But yeah the village and it beautiful didn't it? You know the environmental you know the, the snow and the and the flames are just wonderful.
5: His comparison to Dark Souls is actually very good because because um, I did get that vibe as well very much with the way the. if you've not played a Dark Souls game, then they are very much Metroidvania in, so, in sort of their structure. You know, you have like, you know, central areas and you go off to side areas and things like that and get an item which allows you to unlock a previous area, you know, door or gate or access to to. A new part of the map and and in that it, it was very you know very much of that ilk it also did a very good thing that from software do very well in their games is like when you're presented with an area and i think you said this nick about like the windmills and that everywhere you can see pretty much in a dark souls game or a bloodborne or whatever you will eventually go to and and it was nice that they did that in this you know when you first look out you know when when day breaks at the beginning of the game and ethan arrives at the sort of cliff edge and he sees the the the, the, the windmills and the castle and the factory in the far far distance it's really cool to know and I, I can't really recall a game in the series doing this before that you will be actually visiting all these areas sequentially through the game. It's a it's, it very good, very good um, comparison he makes. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much Albert. A really uh, in- insightful call in there focusing on the environment. So thank you very much. Our next call in comes from uh, another patron Snurferus.
6: So let's see what he has to say. Hey series veteran Snurferus here. I'm glad I get to participate in this call in to say that I had a blast playing through Village. I didn't play any of the demos and tried to stay as blind as I could before it actually released and I think this is the way to go because I had no real expectations going into the game. I know some people were upset that Lady Dimitrescu wasn't an overarching enemy, but I thought it was really awesome to learn that the game opens up so extensively after the castle. I had a ton of fun blasting lichens, exploring, and returning to the altar to sell treasure and upgrade my weapons. Each of the four lords were different enough in gameplay and presentation to keep things interesting, with the exception of the factory. That was the one bit I felt like droned on. When Ethan got pushed all the way back down, I remember thinking, God, I better get cut back up to the top. This game really played like a hybrid between Resident Evil 4 and 7, and did a great job of blending the two, I thought. As a Resident Evil game, I felt like the story was a pretty big letdown. Village could have gone without any Resident Evil ties and still been a fun game to play. Ethan is a mold monster? Okay, that's pretty silly, but whatever. Rose is feeling the growing pains of being a B.O.W.? Oof. Did anyone else get flashbacks of the Resident Evil 6 post-credits scene from this with Jake Mueller and the Apple? I wish Capcom would stop trying to make us care about new characters when the Raccoon City cast is so solid. Chris felt a bit shoehorned in as the story's action hero relief, but it was pretty cool to see what he looks like in action after 25 years of hunting B.O.W.'s. I think he cared about the Oswald Spencer revelation as much as I did. Spencer? Here? No way. And he moves on. Plus one for the info info dump at the end of the game again to tie everything together. Also, I don't know whose artistic decision it was to put the player through so much torture porn in the cutscenes, but I'd prefer it to be absent in the future. So much of it doesn't make things any scarier. Maybe I'm just squeamish, though. I thought the Miranda boss fight was also kind of forgettable. It reminded me of whoever it is that you fight at the end of Revelations 1 and solidified her as a one-and-done villain, despite the backstory. Don't get me wrong, I enjoyed the title very much. I loved all the Easter eggs in the beginning. I probably spent 20 minutes in the Winters' house on my first playthrough just examining everything and admiring the callbacks. Not to mention, there were some genuinely awesome parts. The scene with the baby monster was absolutely horrifying. Overall, I'll probably play it to death for a month and then go back to playing the classics to get my RE fix like I've done with most of the recent releases. As a survival horror game, I'd give it a 9. It's a lot of fun. As a Resident Evil game, I think the references and mechanics that made a return justify a 6. Maybe as a longtime fan, I'm just too desperate for nostalgia.
1: Real uh, overarching review there from Snurferous. and I think he probably shares a view held by quite a lot of other fans. So let's focus on the comment about the hybrid nature of 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 the title between four and seven. I, I think that's spot on. I mean, that's what we said in our kind of like our review podcast, wasn't it? It was. I I maintain that this is this is the game risen. 4 probably ought to have been.
5: It's funny because like, when we first did the review podcast we said it was a lot like Resident Evil 4 and 7. I'd actually start to move away from 4 a little bit, although there's aspects of 4 you can clearly see, like the merchant and collectible treasures and things like that. In terms of it being a sort of smorgasbord, is that the word? um, Of ideas. I think it's actually the game that Resident Evil 6 wanted to be, interestingly, and I've been coming to this conclusion quite recently. It manages, across its runtime, village manages to portray, like, you know, out and out scary pt style horror with the aneviento section um sort of almost in th- that does a nice classic re throwback in the castle and then obviously out and out full-blown action re 5-6 style with the factory and i actually think that for all the run-up and stuff they said in the promo to six how they they're going to appeal to every single resident evil fan with this title with, with the varying characters i actually think village is a, is a greater achievement of that because six was it wasn't that at all so that was yeah I think they they do appeal to various fans of the series with each of the sort of lords and with the bit about the you know the falling to the bottom and I mentioned this before about how even Ethan comments that his journey in the factory is taking far too long and I always it's a a little bit I mean it does
4: have it's tongue in cheek kind of reason for being but when you're already in the moment and if you're as a player have already said this bit's dragging on a bit and then like 10 minutes later the character in the game saying it's like maybe this is a maybe. There's a good reason. Maybe your playtesters have been telling you this segment is a bit too overlong for what it is. I would slightly I did. I did enjoy the Miranda boss fight. I thought she yes. was actually quite a good.
1: Uh, I thought she's a good boss, a good villain, and actually I thought her final boss. I mean, compared to Seven, and everyone knows I'm a big fan of Seven. The, the end boss in Seven was just dire. But the but Miranda was really cool. It had you know you could see her kind of changing forms quite a lot, which presented different challenges to the player. And I, I thought it mixed it up quite quite well. She I have spewed I, acid or something, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, she's
4: yeah. like fiery acid. I, I I have no no problems with any of the, the generally all most of the bosses barring Heisenberg's mech think but my big issue across the board with all the bosses although it became more obvious with the last two was there isn't a lot of feedback to the player in regards to how you're progressing in the fights does that make sense with her it's really hard to tell how much damage you're doing there's no immediacy on if you're having any real impact on her until she just is a cutscene and I, I have a big issue with that with games in general and Resident Evil Village is probably really bad in that respect like it just you just keep hammering at them until something happens and there's no indication that you're actually winning and I yeah. find that really frustrating with a lot of with a lot of the boss fights in Village unfortunately
5: I've watched a couple of people playing on Twitch and like you know, when the first time plays and when they've got to like the Dimitrescu dragon fight they're not sure whether they should be shooting the head of the dragon or Dimitrescu on the back and yeah. likewise one you know do you you shoot the eyes, or do you have to expose Moreau's, You know, so so he emerges out of the mouth, and that's the weak point. It's not clear at all. Like Resident Evil Four is a great example of boss fights where it's clear what like the weak points are. They tend to be an eyeball of sorts, or something like that.
4: Something that emerges, and the cutscene kind of makes it very clear. You know, there won't be a cutscene or mini cutscene beforehand that makes it very clear. Um, or yeah. or just simply that the animations in response to your weaponry. Gives you an indication, like you hit an area and the enemy stumbles, and there just isn't that in these enemies, and it fi- I find it very frustrating compared to the normal enemies, which are which are very feedback heavy. The other, the other one that is like people mention as well is that opening scene. What triggers the fact that you, all of a sudden you get shot in the knee with the arrow? You, you, there's no feedback as to how long that is. It just, it just happens when it happens, and people get frustrated with that too. I've seen people playing it endlessly, just shooting enemies because they hoarded themselves up into an area and didn't get grabbed for ages. I find these sorts of games generally kind of difficult, and like when you don't have a lot of feedback to the player and Village definitely falls in which is such a shame because I think most of the other Resident Evil titles consistently through their entire franchise, as you correctly said, Sean, do do this. It's the first time that it's really struggled to show that sort of level with the bosses.
1: Well, thank you so much for that, sniferous It was a, a wonderful uh, call-in. We now have our next call-in from another patron. What is this? So <laughs> let's see what he has to say.
7: Hi, this is What Is This from the Discord, and... I absolutely loved Resident Evil Village. I've mentioned it. It doesn't even crack my top five. But I think it is easily the best designed Resident Evil game to date. I had nothing but joy while playing it. It was just an absolute treat from start to finish. Capcom has truly shown i hope that they understand what makes resident evil so special you know they show that they can mix the action and classic survival horror elements some of the reviews sounded upset that it wasn't like a mind-blowing experience but we don't need a mind-blowing experience we need puzzles we need inventory management we need exploration we need scares village nailed all of it and then some the replay factor is insane like i can't even begin to think how much time i'm gonna put into it because village is like always on my mind right now because it's just so much fun to play and that is the best compliment i can give it it's not my favorite but it is fun fun beyond belief to just play and that's what you want in a video game you want to be entertained you want to you want to think about it after it's done and village has done that like i'm i'm hooked on it and i am just super excited for what capcom is going to do in the future also i hoped chris was gonna die in this game but they somehow managed to portray him in a way that has me interested in him so there's that you know village is just awesome and i think it's gonna bring in a lot new people to the series which will benefit us all in the long run because this game has all the elements that we love and if the sales are good there won't be any reason for capcom to drastically change it Thank you. Another another happy customer, gents. Yes, really. Uh,
1: another praiseworthy uh, appraisal of the of, of Resident Evil Village. Picking up on the, you know what we've we've touched upon already tonight. The the general funness, if that's a word, of of the game and, and re- the replayability is what I wanted to talk
4: about. I found it an enjoyable experience to go back and replay and and find all the uh, collectible side quest stuff if I hadn't done it and and stuff. I'm going to out GT here because he's gonna he's gonna hate me for saying this, but I know <laughs> he's only finished it once. So you know, this is the thing. You haven't actually given yourself a chance to actually go back. And I don't know how much of the side stuff you actually managed to do. Like from a gameplay perspective, it's it's a fun game. There's nothing well, I, wrong. You know, I mean, with gameplay.
2: Yeah, I should actually point out as well that I was there was a couple of times when I think I remember asking Nick uh, one of these things. Uh, I think that you had to point out to me, and I was impressed that when you said, "Oh, no there's side issues." I think I I was trying to get into the um, the door that's got the uh, kind of like the guitar emblem on it and um, I think someone, I think it might have been Nick, pointed out that you know, it wasn't essential, it was just like, kind of like a side mission. And there was a couple of times when I was kind of quite, you know, yeah, impressed with the fact that yeah, yeah, there were these opportunities to kind of, you know, be a bit more open world that, that weren't necessary to the, the, the main mission.
1: For players like myself who aren't the best at uh, Resident Evil, you know, the, the, the achievements are achievable, and, you know, you can use them to plan your points and what you want to progress onwards. So if you want to play on, on a new game plus with be- infinite weapon ammo for a particular shotgun you can kind of plan your points based around that go back into the game and get a particular achievement that you think is possible, such as the window breaking uh, or getting all the files and things like that and i I was always amazed at how often i got new things because because you get rewards through them as you play the game don't you when
4: Mm. the only issue i have with the whole system is that it's very easy to game because it's linked to like for the infinite weapons it's linked to you filling up fully upgrading a thing so as long as you've got the cp points you can you can make a save uh, manually or you know typewriter and then purchase all the items as long as you've got the money quit the game unlock the infinite weapon and then load the original save and you've still got all your money and the infinite weapon now So then you can just do that again for any weapon you want. And so it's pretty easy to game that system a little bit, unfortunately, by linking it to purchasing all the upgrades rather than earning it through a... A, a rank, but I guess that only makes it easier for people in general.
1: Thank you so much for that. What, what is this? A, another fantastic call-in. So uh, uh, our next one comes in from uh, another patron, but also a very well-known streamer in the Resident Evil community, Death the Pursuer. So let's cool. roll the tape.
8: Hello, everyone. Death the Pursuer here, giving my brief thoughts on Village very fine game great game starting off with a few positives first the lycan ambush at the beginning is very intense which i like the four lords were great unique and were pretty fun boss fights in their own respective ways mother miranda was also a pretty good final boss exploration in the game definitely feels encouraged but not forced which is a plus The different environments are beautiful to look at and take in, especially the village itself and the castle, and the overall atmosphere remains consistent throughout most of the game for me. Now, A couple minor critiques for the game, first, obviously leading up to the final fight with Lady D, I feel like there should have been more to the three daughters in their encounters, and I would have liked a bit more uniqueness and strategy to their fights as we go from one to the next. I also feel like there could have been a lot more to Donna, Angie, and House Beneviento maybe even placing that section after morose as the benefiento section to me feels more like a good halfway point or a sort of calm before the real storm section of of the game overall this game hits a good balance of horror action and exploration which in some ways to me makes it feel like somewhat more of a a balanced a more balanced and grounded re4 if that makes sense and despite kind of being in its own bubble with RE Seven, it's still a solid entry into the series and an eight out of ten in my book.
1: Thank you so much for that, Death. A nice balanced review as well, and obviously balance was being one of the,
4: the the focal points of 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 his review. I hadn't thought about the the daughters thing like that, but he's one hundred percent right. Like having a variety. I mean, they wind up being the same sort of fights. They could have. I mean, technically, the, the the third one, you've got the the ceiling and you pull the lever and stuff. There's a little bit of a change rather than smashing window, but he's right you could have had some variety in how they were dispatched even if it was still the same reasoning it was more of that each one was very different but two of them end up I and mean, one of them's literally like smash a hole in the wall and one of them shoot a window and one of them's like pull a lever it's not a huge yeah. difference
2: for, for, for enemies that really again i mean some of the the, the, the designs and you know the uh, the presentation of these these enemies are, are fantastic i'm trying not to use that word iconic you know but i love the, the, the daughters and their design and just were slightly disappointing you know as kind of Sort of middle range bosses. Those fights were quite uh, straightforward and, and disappointing. So I definitely agreed with uh, Death's point about more strategy, you know, in, in those fights. And also I totally agreed that that the uh, the lichens at the beginning, I fantastic, you know, when when you're kind of creeping up on them and they do that how, and I, like, did you, I just really felt that fear when they kind of, you know that they're going to rush you, and I, 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 I've I, seen some criticism online actually of the Lycans, and, and people say they're maybe not particularly particular fun to battle, or or they, they, they didn't like the design, I, I really loved them as kind of the base enemy, the zombie version of this game, I thought they were fantastic, and they really kind of got me with fear, when you know, that, that how, and you really think, shit, you know, it's, it's really going to kick off now, they're all going to rush you, and, and I actually also loved the fact that it only took about five or six of them you know we didn't need 12 13 14 you know like Evil five numbers of enemies we just needed like i think four or five lichens to feel enough like you're being rushed by by a menacing group
5: the fight between the um the dimitrescu daughters that he's absolutely spot on and did anyone else have that moment of absolute disbelief when the first one dies thinking are they really going to be taking out the story this early because obviously the marketing was so so focused around you know the daughters and lady d and the castle when the first one when the first daughter died in like the first what 45 minutes i was like gosh they really aren't that much of a factor in this game are they
4: i think i think that's part of the problem i don't think that you know i think they've said it as much i don't think they expected the whole Demetresque family thing to take off the way it did as far as like the public perception so it ended up being part of their marketing a lot heavily once people were on board but I think if they had known, it's a weird balance, because I think if they'd known what was going to happen with it, they probably would have had them stick around longer. It would have been one of those cases where the way that Heisenberg is would have been more Lady D, but then would it have been to the detriment of the story or the gameplay or the focus. Mm-hmm. You know, there's probably not a right answer. I mean, I will say the other comment he made about um, changing the order of the lords and having Moreau first probably would have also, and having that lull, you know, for lack of a better term, the quieter, a calm before the storm, as he said. I yeah, I agree with that too, actually. I think that would have been a better balance going from from yeah. Lady D to M- Moreau then to to Benevito and then to Heisenberg in an order probably would have been a bit of flow.
5: I guess one of the more interesting things they maybe could have looked at doing and obviously Heisenberg would have always had to have been last because of the way the story plays out but if they'd actually made Dimitrescu, Moreau and uh, Beneviento optional in their order and then they just changed certain dialogues and things like that depending on which way you want to go through the game that that would have added probably the kind of replay ability you've been looking for GT.
4: You would have got different dialogues Different scenarios, perhaps, yeah, 100. Put a bit,
1: bit, bit like Resident Evil 3, then, wouldn't it? That like kind of like your, your choice, your almost like a live selection. So, thank you for that. Our next call in comes in from Happy
9: Smelly. Hello. I have a lot of feelings about this game. For all the questions and expletives that I have for Village, I do have to say that I appreciate it very much. It's a very aesthetically pleasing game that's fat with gothic opulence, fairy tale nightmares and steampunk buffoonery. It was really fun to play and overall it feels like a worthy Resident Evil title. Since RE7, I do think we're seeing an overall return to form with how these mainline titles are playing and feeling. I hope it's not too optimistic to say that it feels like Resident Evil gameplay is starting to find its identity again. I'm happy with the balance of action and horror here. My biggest problem with Village is that it focuses too much on that initial impression on the player without properly considering the deeper implications of these story choices or what happens after a second playthrough and the players had a bit of time to think. That being said, the end of Ethan's story got me, and in my mind it has the most emotionally impactful ending since the original Resi 3. There are some really silly moments and questionable choices here, I came away from the game fairly confused on what had actually happened, and I still don't think I quite understand the use of and justification for the umbrella logo being present here. While there's certainly plenty of variety and a lot to sink your teeth into, the story and characters feel fairly shallow and surfacey, and like during development was secondary to the gameplay and that first playthrough experience, which is honestly excellent and worth your time. Despite everything, I can't help but be charmed by Village. I really, really like it. I think it's really fun.
1: Some interesting points there from uh, Happy Smelly. Thank you so much for the call-in. Uh, someone who I feel, you know, again, is qu- quite balanced on on Village. That's really seemingly the, the theme that we're picking up from a lot of the call-ins there. I'll hand over to Batman, actually, because she talked about the umbrella logo and how she didn't feel it really added much and was a bit confused by the storyline. I think you were of that opinion in the last podcast, weren't you, uh, Batman, about its general uh, involvement in, in, in the narrative?
10: It's because it's largely pointless and it just comes across as though it was thrown in there to sort of appease you know law enthusiasts such as ourselves i don't think it really it's not really relevant to the story of village and i think it was a bit of a con that it was so prevalent in all the marketing you know capcom built it up like it was going to be something really important and it was just largely pointless its inclusion just comes across as completely superficial to me
5: I, I agree totally. I think it was done simply for marketing, and that's it. So people go, "Oh," but there's actually no, no, no substance of note to it at all. Uh, in, in fact, it's almost, almost insulting to long-term fans. I think. I mean, even yeah, I'd even extend that to Spencer in uh, Spencer's uh, involvement. To be honest,
4: I was going to say. I mean, her comment about how they've. Um put these things in without the deeper thought about the consequences So the perfect example or the perfect explanation to like a lot of these things. That they've gone right, this is a cool idea and not really thought about the long term consequences and that can be in regards to gameplay, it can be in regards to um, lore aspects, you know. Yeah, it's crazy to think that. We could be overthinking in the sense of why they picked it. Yeah, you could be right, it could be marketing, but it could just been someone was like, oh that seems like a really cool idea and they picked up and ran with it without actually thinking about it either, you know, like it's because I can see why you would want to do but they didn't really think long term about the impact of what, what that actually means to everything. Like, on a core concept, it's, it's not a bad idea. I'm
5: certainly reluctant to give fans the writing pen, you know, and things like that, because I, I don't always think it is beneficial to let fans write what they think should be the future of the series, because um, it's obviously their, their fantasies and whatnot. But it, it does say a lot that many of us have come up with better uh, reasons for why the logo would be there, uh, you know, like linked to rival companies and things like that and uh, yeah it just was very flat when you find out why it's there in the game
1: on the flip side though she mentions that she felt that the Ethan storyline within the game really got to her in in a a positive way Uh, something George would would you agree with did you find the the actual Ethan progress that he makes uh, a satisfying storyline
2: and there's definitely a really deep emotional story there, but I think it's too often clouded by me as a player being confused, and that was a point I think Happy Smelly mentioned about yes, being confused yeah. quite often. And then the solutions we got to that confusion didn't really feel satisfying because it was kind of just all dumped at the end, you know, in that alien covenant room, and the law
4: room, yeah, the lore, room. <laughs> <The> lore cave. <laughs> um, see, it's been referred to the law cave. I am
2: um, uh, see a comment stars made about sort of almost insulting i felt this quite often about you know insulting us as an audience and then our kind of sort of try and check myself and think, well, you know, don't take it too take the series too seriously. But you know, I felt it almost with the Clive O'Brien book and these kind of things that are just dropped in and they do feel superficial. And that was something I was feeling often with this. You know, it was just like a kind of yeah, like 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 you, you say just dropped in at the last moment just to appease hardcore fans. It didn't add anything really to the narrative to like Umbrella's history. And there's so much more. And the thing is the history's there in the files. They just could have retold that story on the screen. You know, in the files that we got, you know, I mean they make the point of going back to Brad Brandon Bailey. But that you could have retold the, the story and involving James Marcus, just built on what we got from Zero, if there was you know, going to be that prequel element to it.
4: I think my, not my issue, because I don't actually mind that as an idea, I think where Capcom's gone is they want this solely focused on Ethan's story, so taking the narrative out of, this is the thing where we were talking about in the last episode, where there isn't a lot to, the history isn't explained throughout the game really, you don't feel that empathy towards Miranda and, and what happened in the village and all that sort mm, of stuff very easily, because not there, and because it's so fo- solely focused on Ethan's journey, and so yeah, that that as we've said, that room becomes like the exposition dump.
5: I do agree with her what she says though about the emotional resonance of Ethan's ending. I, I, I think she's right on the money there with saying
4: very relatable to OG three's
5: ending, which was mm. quite a moment. Mate. I think you know that there's that's a good observation. And likewise, yeah, you've just said something about Miranda there, Rob. That storyline had it been told better and fleshed out, should be tragic. It should be awful. You know, her losing her child to uh, the Spanish flu. But because it's just presented so dryly, you don't get any empathy for her at all, do you? There's there's never a moment you sit there and think, oh God, I really feel for why she's doing this. You just don't.
4: It's something that I thought of after our last recording, which is that there is actually a really great parallel that you could draw here. Because Ethan is looking for his daughter. He doesn't want to lose his daughter. She's the potential saviour for Miranda, essentially. But Miranda's only doing that because she lost her daughter. And so there's a really, really potential great parallel you can draw there, which, from an e- empathetically was really interesting. But it, it never does that. Because for the for player's urgency, we're obviously always focused about getting Rose back, which is understandable because that's games. But they don't draw out that connection. That seems, really, when you think about it, quite obvious.
2: And that's why I've said before, there really feels like there is a good... I think that's why people have been forgiving. And we're kind of getting this balanced view from a lot of people because there is... Kind of, there are a lot of, of of very strong elements, and there's kind of a good game behind all this. And almost uh, listening to Rombie then you wonder: would better use of the intro rather than that Tim Burton, you know, stylistic thing that again didn't really add anything. We could have had maybe some sort of like, you know, like we had those sketches with with Resident Evil Four, the incubate, you know, the, the, that guy that comes to the village, you know, bringing the plaga with him. If we could have had some told the backstory narrative of um, of Miranda's daughter, uh, yeah, the Spanish in, in the oh, beginning, and carried that, that through in cutscenes and files.
5: That's a really good idea gt if they'd if they'd presented miranda's daughter's death as kind of like a fairy tale that you see see at the beginning and then obviously it's presented without context and things that could have been excellent actually
1: right well thank you so much happy smiley our next call in comes in from ck
11: present Uh, So let's uh, let's roll the tape. What's going on, Resident Evil podcast crew? Thank you so much for uh, giving me the opportunity to call in, and of course, thank you for all the hard work that you guys do. Uh, This is CK Presents. Given my thoughts on Resident Evil Village, I believe that your podcast episode is going to be primarily focused on the lore. But I do want to take a chance or take the chance at the top to sort of discuss my general thoughts on the game. To kind of come out right away with it, I fucking love this game. It's amazing. And that's from someone who didn't really enjoy Resident Evil 4 very much. I bring up that comparison because I feel like it's a pretty apt one, considering quite a few things within the game. So, obviously we have the setting, which is really similar, and the title in Village, right? And those are the things that everyone is going to jump to and notice right away, alongside the return of the attach case and the duke replacing the merchant by the way batman is it canon now that duke and the merchant were friends or is that just a little weird quip slash easter egg one-liner in the game very strange but either way i was happy to have that addition back in a resident evil title i thought it was very well implemented and uh, led to some fun times you know Having that sort of discussion with yourself of do I upgrade my handgun first, which is what I did and I don't recommend, but the thinking was like, oh, I'm going to have as much ammo as I would ever need for this gun as opposed to the sniper rifle. Then come to find out, well, you actually can only get infinite ammo for guns you fully upgraded, which is a system very similar to me to Resident Evil 5, which I also loved. I guess that brings me back to my previous point, you know, in the comparison with RE4, in that there's a lot of stuff in this game that pulls from various Resident Evil titles, but you can certainly see the attempt from Capcom, both in the theme of the game and in the actual moment-to-moment gameplay, to try and create a Resident Evil 4 version 2.0 or something like that, right? So we already talked about the merchant and the upgrades to the guns and the shop, right? But there's also hunting in the same way that it was there in a limited capacity with Resident Evil 4. You can shoot fish and sell them to the Duke if you want to. You're better served creating a recipe from it, but that's not for me to decide. Additionally, the Cadoo, I don't exactly know how they're pronounced, but essentially function as Las Plagas in a lot of ways. There isn't sort of the bursting from the head with weird tentacles and appendages in the lichens. But in some of the bosses, especially Moreau, and even to a certain extent, Lady <laughs> uh, you can see it, right? And I think that's really cool, too. The series is played around with now sort of a, a mold or a fungus of viruses, obviously, parasites. So they've kind of touched on all the major sort of scientific explanations for why something like this could happen. But that's kind of neither here nor there. Let me just get to, I guess, the general idea of the lore. I think it's really cool how this game ties in Oswell Spencer, spoiler alert, and sort of kind of refocuses the events of the previous games and the history of Umbrella in an interesting way. Like, this game does tie into the larger franchise as a whole, but it is in a way that is not too obstructive, not too destructive, I guess, as well, to the existing canon in the existing timeline. Uh, at least for my simple brain to have figured out. Maybe you guys have some some different insight into that. But I did like that sort of reference. I thought it was really cool. I liked the overall approach that the game took as far as story and lore was concerned. The files were really great. Having the journal, uh, which thank you for shouting that out in your spoiler free review to continue checking that had some good insight on obviously being able to view the files at your leisure was awesome as well. There was some cool tie-ins file-wise. There were little Easter eggs to George Trevor, especially, you know, in the beginning of the game. So that tied back into the original Resident Evil. And yeah, I just thought that overall, the package is fantastic. It's an incredibly polished game. It plays very well on a base PS4. For me, I have a launch model PS4, so not even the Slim or the PS4 Pro. I experienced no issues whatsoever. Only minor frame rate drops, I guess I should say, at the very end during Chris's section, which, by the way, the end kind of went... That shit crazy a bit but i guess that's okay did ethan really need to be a conglomeration of mold or would it just have been better if he was infected and that explained his extreme regenerative properties that's something we already knew and I'll leave it the last 20 seconds here by saying I hope that we don't necessarily get the sequel that this game sets up with Rose. Unless she's going to join forces with like Sherry Birkin and Jake Mueller in some sort of like kickoff side story. But anyway, I guess that's where I'll leave it for now. I love the game. Really can't wait to hear you guys talk about it more and I hope you guys have a wonderful podcast discussion. Take care. Thank
1: you, CK President, for that what, 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 I thought, general overview review. Very good. Look, Went into lots of uh, lots of detail there about his uh, his opinions on the overall game. First question, straight back to back man Can we answer that question? Is it canon that
10: the merchant is canon? I would say it's just a nice little in-joke stroke easter egg, but no doubt someone somewhere will be crafting a huge conspiracy theory about some kind of fraternity of global merchants who get together and influence every major event in the series. Make no bones about it, that person or persons will exist somewhere in the world. Um, but just like really, the meeting does. Yeah. But well, I wouldn't yeah. be too much into it personally. It's just a nice easter egg, just like Heisenberg's bold to punch in quip uh.
4: I was exactly going to say that. It sounds like the boulder punching quote to me. I
10: think the character himself's canon. You know, obviously he's got a much larger role to play than than what's revealed in the game. I've said in, I think I said in the last podcast, I think he yeah. works for the connections. I think all the sort of remains of the crystallized remains of the four lords that you sell to him, I'm sure it all get shipped to the nearest connections laboratory. And it wouldn't surprise me. And I was, I've been thinking about this ever since Rob asked the question last time. But who told Under about Rose? It could be the Duke. You know the. Duke Duke uh, could have told Miranda knowing because he knows more about Ethan than uh, he lets on. Clearly, he seems to know Mm -hmm. Ethan's secret as well. So, I'm putting it Um, out there that the the Duke is maybe the one responsible.
5: And they do allude to his presence in that um, one file you get in the castle, don't they? Where Lady D has a meeting with him,
1: yes, yeah. So, he's he's definitely canon. Where (laughs) um, someone called the Duke, yeah, it Um, would make
10: sense for the connections to have an agent somewhere where the Mega My Seat is just to sort of keep an eye on it and stuff. So, that's probably probably why he frequents the village so often.
5: It's, it's interesting to hear he's very positive on the uh, Spencer connection. And I suppose in one sense the comment he made about it being a not destructive addition it, it is a valid one. I mean, it, as mm. much as we've been very critical on it, it doesn't actually do any harm in terms of... I don't, I'm not one of these people who sees Spencer's addition as being undermining or anything like that to his character. The only issue I have is, is his hunt for immortality doesn't take Mm. him back there when his when death's knocking on his door that's all i
4: don't think any of us would have said that we think it's a bad thing i just think it's about the context of surrounding it and as you mentioned i think it was usual last time talked about how it would have been good if you know he just there was a file that basically said that miranda had seen seen him as unworthy for, for continuing to share with us if he had yeah. approached her for for research purposes you know even you know what
1: about the the comment he makes about the similarities of residual four i mean everyone kind of realized this when the traders first come uh first started to to emerge but there was a lot more to it you know as he pe- mentioned also like the hunting I don't think anything we haven't really spoken about that element that's been expanded upon by four uh, from four should i say did everyone did, did everyone happy with that element was it was it needed did it add anything particular to it, to the game?
10: I just think it was it was completely oversaturated. It put me off because there was too much of it. You know, the, the setup is basically identical, so much so that I just found it really off-putting. Like, Miranda's obviously basically Sadler, right down to the villagers having pictures of her in the houses. The Parasite, you know, her infected subordinate characters reacting more favourably to the Cadu is basically a substitute for the Control Plaga. You know, the epilogue drawings at the end were identical and depict essentially the same story as what we saw in, 4, and of course you have the Duke and other little things like the absolutely identical little boat rides. Pay respect to Resident Evil 4 by all means, but this just overloads and completely drowns us in it. Makes wonder that Remake 4 is potentially going to be so radically different that Capcom can appease us by saying, if you want the original Resident Evil 4, go and play Village. You know, it reminded me of, have you seen Predators, Rob? It's a good film in its own right, but it it Mm. doesn't half over homage the original film. It just sort of takes you out of the experience a little bit. But that's, that's why I have a big issue there in a lot of
4: movies, where where you, you take take something that essentially is being made more for the audience's benefit than the actual narrative of the story. I have a big issue. There's a, a, lamp, a lot of movies in recent years of lampshaded kind of historic. Was it Star Trek Into Darkness and uh, uh, Spectre did the whole thing with their bad guys being given other names, and then all of a sudden it's a reveal? Oh, it's Khan, or you know, Oberha. Was it Oberhauser or whatever becomes? And it doesn't mean anything to the to the people in the movie so much because it's more towards the fans going, oh wow, you know, like. And that's what where it kind of comes back to. It's like these things become more of a reveal for the audience to see the acknowledgements and references and online are not necessarily a bad thing but if you as you said if you overwhelm people with them it, it, to the point where you, you're questioning how much of the game is original and or how much of this material book movie whatever it is then you do you, you do start to lose people sometimes
1: i, I felt it played it what it played differently to four though uh, i don't feel it was too over the top in terms of the action i think it, it did the the job the balancing a billion times better than re4 ever did whereas that was just you know as soon as you got past to the village and you met the merchant for the first time it was just non-stop it never let go until the very end whereas I think this balanced it a bit better. It still had the kind of survival horror-esque moments and the tension filled more so than 4 ever did. I can see, obviously, that there's so many homages, and as CK President said, even, you know, things with the hunting, which
4: is relatively new, not that new compared to what happened in 4, but I felt the game felt significantly different. The hunting's an interesting one, because, yeah, it is different in the sense that, like, in the original was literally like, here you can pick up eggs or hunt fish or whatever, because they were either sellable or food items, and they are still technically here, but they can be yeah they've extended that idea and i don't think that's a bad thing are
5: you all forgetting moira you know hunting rabbits with a submachine gun <laughs>
4: <laughs> yes quite frankly <laughs> i think we've that's... all forgot oh dear i try not to remember that but you know well thank
1: you so much ck present for that a really really insightful uh, review for, uh, from me thank you very much the next call in comes in from uh, mark beringer so let's roll the tape
12: hey what's going on guys uh this is mark from boston OG Showtime on PlayStation. Resident Evil Village. It's a mixed bag, isn't it? It's kind of the greatest hits of the series, for better or for worse. You know, it's got the good and the bad of the series. Let's get the bad out of the way. Uh, The villains, comic book level villains worse than re4 i didn't think i didn't think the villains could get any any more over the top or schlocky than the re4 villains but here we are you know they're not all bad i like some of them more than others the end it's a common complaint for a lot of re games i guess but the factory it's not the most interesting and it goes on a little too long i think not my favorite area the heisenberg mech fight was certainly a low point in the game for me i never sat around saying i wish i had a mech fight in my resident evil games but here we are Chris's section, pretty close to Call of Duty. I don't think that was needed. The big reveal for Spencer and Umbrella's origins at the village felt very tacked on. I don't think it added anything to the lore. In fact, I think it kind of takes away from the lore of the Umbrella company. It feels like they would just put it in so they could use the umbrella symbol in the game and in the trailers to get fans speculating. But it is what it is. The ending is confusing to me just in general. The ethan revealed that he was killed by jack is kind of cool but it's almost like he's supposed to not know he has mold in him but at the same time he's still attaching his hands when they get cut off i don't understand why that was such a big reveal still don't understand why the ceremony with rose didn't work for mother miranda i don't know why i don't understand what happened there but it didn't work for her so there you go uh, just the ending was a little confusing. I'm going to play it again. I'm, I'm working my way towards the end, so I'll see if I shed some more light on it after my second playthrough. But that's the bad. The good, I think, outweighs the bad. The pros are awesome. Yeah, the atmosphere is incredible in this game. The sound design is incredible, just like in the previous uh, more modern RE games. They are really just killing it with the sound design. There's some sections that feel classic re obviously the castle but just in just in the village there's areas where you'll walk into a shack and you can hear a lichen growling you don't see him yet because he's around the corner but that you know every time that happened it just gave me re1 vibes of walking into a room and not seeing the zombie but hearing them or walking to a room in the rpd and not hearing the liquor or hearing the liquor but not being able to see it and it's i love it it was fantastic as much as i Gave the villains a hard time. I appreciate the classic horror tropes they did. You know, they did vampire, werewolf, ghosts, mermen, Frankenstein monsters at the factory. Like, that was cool. That's a cool gimmick, and I, and I think it was done, for the most part, pretty well. I love the backtracking. I love the optional quests, the mini Uh the combat feels great. I love the little details they put in, like the um, Ingrid's necklace. Is revealed in ingrid you can kill her down in the basement it reveals she is the maiden from the demo i thought that was very cool the files the files are fantastic the baker incident the 80 page file that i had to read before i even started the game up that was fantastic there were some great reveals in that i thought zoe was gonna pop up because <laughs> uh the way that file ended uh we didn't see her but that's that's maybe dlc hopefully uh as much as i didn't like the end i did like evelyn popping up i did like that little callback i liked i always liked her character i liked her as a villain so i liked seeing her some of the some of the questions raised for the next game are pretty interesting the whole bsaa bioweapon thing uh rose being a teenager i don't know if that's a time jump or if she's accelerated aging like evelyn i don't know what's going on with that and then the mystery figure that walks up to the car while they're driving away they're great great mysteries for the next game Uh, Final thoughts. I, you know, I wasn't sure how I felt about this game, but I can't stop thinking about it. I think the highs greatly outweigh the lows, whatever lows they are. And playing it on hardcores, I I like it even more now. So overall, I think it's a great RE game and I'm excited to hear uh, what you guys think about it. Hey, you're doing a good job. Keep up the good work. Can't wait to hear more from you guys. Appreciate it. Take care.
1: That was uh, another really good review. Actually, looking through everything, in- interesting, isn't it? The uh, the fact that he thought the Spencer Umbrella reveal was damaging, where we <laughs> the previous one said it wasn't. It's
5: what I find, yeah, what I find fascinating is every every previous call and is informing the next one, but generally in an opposite way. <laughs> it, which again, it just this goes back to the thing we said in our very original review of just uh, how how divisive this game is. Everyone has a, a completely different opinion about it.
4: I was going to say it's funny because when we said. for the review we were mostly uniformly agreed about things which was interesting for us but the fact that we could all see the potential for it to be that way was was funny to me eh?
1: Mark Plus was the the atmosphere and the sound design something I really picked up on when I played it I thought the sound design was top notch and he's he's spot on as well with the I remember exploring areas and then you know just coming to a grinding halt because I could hear a like I had no idea where it was you know trying to kind of pinpoint it that was true and yeah he's right that does harken back to almost the the pre-rendered days where you would go to into a room but you wouldn't see these you know the zombie or the liquor because of the nature of, of the of the angles angles so yeah. Go on, George. No, sorry, I just
2: I I feel it's lacking something that those pre rendered days had because I th- I do absolutely agree the the sound design was fantastic but I did lament the kind of the omission. Well, we I know people have said there is that save room music. It's so subtle. It's almost too. And I do like it when they do go subtle with with the tracks and I d- it was barely you could barely hear it. And there were save rooms where they didn't have it at all. And I really missed what we did have in the classic era. The you know the signature tracks you would have for particular rooms that you would associate with certain rooms. You know you just hear the track and you. Immediately brought in, into those particular rooms, and sometimes they were kind of associated with files as well. This sort of music, you know, you associate with George Trevor, and reading, reading his file in the particular rooms, you find the diary in, and it just adds, you know, an extra layer to the atmosphere. And I felt it was lacking that particular times. I'm walking around the castle, and that's the thing. It is lavish, and it was gothic, but there wasn't enough jeopardy which you could have you could have increased you could have imbued with you know with, with with sound design in terms of actual tracks you know the castle was too quiet i felt at times i'd agree
1: um, i'd agree i think i think that there's a, it was too minimal in its sound ost if you like yeah i think the, the design is more so looking at the sound effects and the, the way it's planted around in terms of you know what where the sound's coming from and things like that so i yeah i i, I would i would agree with that what was everyone's take on the the comment that the,
4: the bosses were too over the top, cheesiness? Well, he he did note something that we haven't really discussed too much. I know we talked about it in a preview episode, but we we're talking about like the the variety of the monster type, you know, in the in the yes. classic monster concept, and we haven't really talked about it because last time we talked about why did the impact of the mold have this, such a variety of. Outcomes, and it's literally that you know that was the design. Like the design choice was that they wanted you know a merman, a a Frankenstein's monster, a vampire. You know that's I mean that's realistically the explanation for it on a design concept. So it's kind of funny to think about that. We've kind of gone from that point of thinking about this and completely kind of put that by the wayside. They're cheesy in a different way than Fours, I think. Like you made the comparison, and I'm like that Four was pretty cheesy, and they were, but there was like you know the whole game was written pretty cheesily. There's a lot of one liners and stuff like that. And I think they kind of I think the reason why is maybe that's that tonal inconsistency. Like, the four is cheesy across the board. Leon spouts one-liners is, as is, is much as the villains are cackling. Whereas you've got Ethan being quite serious, which is understandable and, and, and slightly dour I guess. And it's a serious situation going on and then you have these quite large than life characters as villains. And I think that's the, the disconnect. It's not that they're perhaps cheesy inherently, it's just that they're so quite often over the top compared to the relatively groundedness of ethan's side of things
2: i have absolutely no problem with cheesy over-the-top boss battles for some reason i don't i don't know why i I don't want it in the gameplay. i'm probably playing the wrong game so i don't want it in the dialogue or the narrative but i almost forgive and i kind of feel like sort of like a a way of explaining it but it's like you get a free pass and i I give capcom a free pass for just doing as much as they want making it spectacular you know because it's a boss battle and you remember that maybe goes back to my love for kind of games like Bayonetta, so I've, I've got no problem with that at all, it's a Japanese game at the heart of it, you know, it, it's kind of in that tradition you've obviously got to be careful because you want the, the, the bosses to be consistent with the mutations of, you know, the, the virus that's done that Resident, Resident Evil Zero bosses get a hard time, but I'll stand to be, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but they're all very consistent with the effects of, the, of Progenitor yeah. um, so, so you've got to be careful but in terms of the gameplay, unless they're ridiculous like, you know, with Simmons, but I enjoyed, I think uh, Neptune mentioned this, um, I really enjoyed the um, Miranda, not Miranda. Sorry, the Lady Dimitrescu, uh, Lady D battle. Uh, I thought was great because uh, sort of a nice kind of, uh, you know, it, it sort of change around with the with the sniper rifle and so. I think uh, all I the boss. To
1: to yeah, I think all the boss battles were actually quite good, but I mean batman coming to you about this then with uh, what george said about the consistency of how the virus works outside of perhaps lady dimitrescu there's not really much of an explanation as to why heisenberg becomes magneto why moreau becomes whatever he becomes
10: (laughs) and why why, you know uh, and why we suddenly have chucky chucky that's my that's my issue with it really i mean i'm not Expecting like you know massively detailed breakdowns of why the mutations occur, but we just we just don't get anything. It goes back to Rob's point. Capcom are obviously saw. So- consistent on wanting the vampiric imagery and the the, mer- the merman stuff and the sort of steampunk frankenstein uh, stuff in there that they didn't really take into account what makes these creatures resident evil like peter fabiano made that comment shortly before he leaked about how trying to reassure everyone that all the creatures can be explained within the rules of resident evil and i don't think that's strictly true it's just you know they've designed these creatures because they want to appeal to sort of eastern european folklore and stuff fair enough but they're just. There isn't enough of a of a Resident Evil explanation behind them. The mold is just too much of a MacGuffin in this in this story. Basically, the black goo from Prometheus, isn't it? It just does whatever it needs to do without any exactly explanation. What, behind exactly.
5: Exactly. Um, the that villain's not getting any clear explanation. I mean, you know, what's Miranda's? She she goes down into a cave in grief, touches some black goo as we've just described, and for sudden, you know, that's it. She just becomes Mother Miranda. And you just expected to just that's fine. She's just a perfect adapter, I guess.
4: Well as I said she that's a lot as I said last last episode, a lot of convenience. And that's just yeah. the, the plot. It's 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 the convenience of this, it's it's what it needs the mould does what it needs to do for the plot. And is exactly as um the thing as is, John's it alluded to. Need-
1: It doesn't need that much work because I remember being very critical of uh, Resident Evil 6 in particular with what the C-virus does. But I think, John, you'll you'll confirm that in the kind of Biohazard 6 guides, it says, well, in order for the NAPAD to become a thing, it was C-virus mixed with a bit of Gorilla DNA. And, you know, that is all we really need. You go, okay, fine. Got it. That that's why it become that's why it becomes Yeah, but you a, don't even
10: get that in village. I don't think.
1: No, you don't. No, exactly. That's the point. Apart from as a maybe outside uh, Lady Dimitrescu with that kind of oh. blood, um, Morose thing with the wolf blood. The wolf, yeah, yeah. The the Vakarac, um, how he created, mm. how he created that as adding more wolf DNA, wasn't it, to mm. the, the kind of Cadu made his pets, if you like happy with that. I was actually happy with the Samar and even the kind of slave zombie creatures. I was happy with them. It was, I I think it's quite limited yeah, just the
4: brothers
1: to, the, yeah the, yeah absolutely i think it was just the bosses as, as to why these things happen why did he become a fish thing why did Magne, uh, magneto exist and he could have why, said lichen, you know he's, why the
5: lichens occur just because they wanted yeah. them to
1: i don't mind lichens because you can just say well this is what happened when, when someone is infected with the kadoo they become a lichen you know i, I think that's fine that's just, it's exactly the same as why if you're bitten by a zombie you become a by tv i should become a zombie it's just that's what it is i think it's the evolving on from that
2: listening to kind of our frustration with you know and that point again about insulting us as an old gamers and and our connection to the older games and the narratives that made sense and and having you know mutate boss battle mutations that were logical with the viruses and having files that explain this and, and a narrative that steadily uh, unraveled during during gameplay i just feel that the people that the writers and the people that are in charge and the custodians of the this game at the moment just aren't as connected to those previous games that we are as fans. It's not going to jar with them that they have this completely superficial story. That you know, you say Martha Miranda just wanders into uh, into the cave. and complete, like you know, Batman's a complete disregard for the fact that outside of this you know spencer's desperately trying you know to find uh the elixir for for, for eternal life and or you know all the the uh, resources he pumped into the island that alex wesker was on why do that and i just well, yeah there, there's just this complete disconnect with who the, you know you, you talk about you know being great stars he mentions being very careful putting the, the the writing in the hands of fans obviously that's not going to happen but i think fact of the matter is we we need someone in charge of these games, in charge particularly of the writing, not necessarily maybe the game mechanics so much, but the writing that has some understanding and connection with the previous games. And yet,
5: conversely, I'll throw this in. I think it, I think in trying to tie back, has compromised Seven and Eight's narrative a little bit. Seven was clearly trying to be a soft reboot for the series after the sort of bloat and nonsense of Resident Evil 6. And one of the reasons why I embraced that game so much is because I was totally on board for that. I felt it was time for a fresh start, I felt the series really needed it. And then gradually, sort of by the end of that game, you get Chris reintroduced. And now in Village, you're getting callbacks with Spencer an umbrella and like say you know like we've alluded to they're not hugely destructive but it's almost like it, it's got one foot in the past whereas it really wants to be confidently striding forward i feel
4: i agree with that fundamentally but then i still think seven was doing that too with the whole umbrella blue umbrella there's a helicopter with the umbrella logo blah 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 kind of thing trying to keep that the hcf reference you know like i think it's it's a it comes back to the same thing I sound like a broken record but it's that thing about trying to be something for everyone and no one at the same time because you've got to have something intriguing and interesting for Mm -hmm. moving forward Mm -hmm. but you've got to keep people who are already invested involved and interested Let me ask
10: you this just randomly how would you have felt if this game's base enemies instead of lichens were just moulded? So it's nothing necessarily new but it has that continuity with Resident Evil 7 and it makes base mould infection a bit more it's essentially like how we had zombies for the first sort of four games in the series, and no one complained.
5: It wouldn't have bothered me because I thought the molders were a great enemy design, to be honest.
4: Yeah, the the only thing I I would have said about that is that if it gave you an opportunity to expand about the types of molded, because that's just what sequels do, I would have been yeah perfectly fine about it having the same and some new types.
1: Definitely, definitely. That was one of the things, yeah, I wanted that consistency. Thank you, Mark, for that. Always, always nice to uh, always generate uh, discussion and points, so thank you so much. The next call-in comes in from Ronnie.
13: Hello, Ronnie here. I was a big fan of 7. I enjoyed Resident Evil Remake 2 a lot, but was very disappointed with Remake 3 for the same reasons I was a little disappointed with 8. The build-up to launch had me very excited but it was oversaturated with Lady D for obvious reasons. It was really cringe at times to see one of my favourite franchises turn into a thirst trap for sales. But once I got into the game, the beginning had me hooked and I very much enjoyed everything until Lady D's transformation. The explanation? Puzzles, even if they were simple, and the files kept me intrigued. There was a couple of jump squares, the pursuer parts were decent but short-lived and the basement was chilling. But once the dragon showed its face, it was over the top, gigantic and fantastical monsters again. Just like a side when Nemesis was ten times bigger than it was in the original and filled the entire building. The Beneviento section was terrifying the first time and really well done, but on subsequent playthroughs it's more comedy and horror. From that point, there was nothing new and things continued to be over the top until its peak with Heisenberg, a really daft boss quite frankly. In between bosses, it felt more like The Witcher than Resident Evil. Very well presented, but it did lack mystery and intrigue. I love Witcher, but I don't want Witcher in Resident Evil. The most terrifying part of Seven was Jack chasing you around. Resident Evil 2's remake was Mr. X. It doesn't need to be gigantic and silly to keep you entertained. The gameplay, as in how the game felt, was standout. It was fluid and smooth. However, I did feel like Ethan was superpowered and that the paste used in Resident Evil 2 remake was is more suitable for survival horror, and never felt under threat in Resident Evil 8. The inclusion of Chris was bold but poorly executed. His explanations made no sense, and another example of shoehorning. If you played 6 and then went straight to 8, you would not think Capcom had learned the lesson at all. It's been said before, but the early Resident Evils relied on pseudoscience, which used real-life ideas in a fantasy setting, but 8 was entirely fantasy, full of holes, contradictions, and so many elements shoehorned in. It's as if the beginning and the end of the game was decided on day one and some intern had to figure out how to get from point A to point B. I've always felt this way, but if you look at the millions who bought Resident Evil 8 and how many people are hardcore fans, then that segment would be so small. The effort to cater to them wouldn't be as profitable as to cater to the rest. Mystery, puzzles and horror is what I subscribe to and I will always buy the mainline games. Capcom probably know that, Us lot will buy whatever they put out, so they go for people who are on the fence and it shows, and again with the Lady D stuff. I enjoyed the game for all its fault, but just like Resident Evil 3, I finished the game thinking, I wish they hadn't done that. It didn't live up to my expectations because they are so high from all the good stuff that they've produced and memories that they've given me over time, but... Some very well executed DLC could really save this game and make it an overall package and fill in a lot of the holes. Thanks very much for listening and keep up the good work.
2: I'm worshiping at the church of Ronnie. I I I, that, I don't know if you would agree. It, is this is a strong word? Those parts of that were sc- almost scathing. I don't know if that's too harsh, but the criticisms I completely yeah. agree with. But but particularly, you know, it's coming. You he says at the end, it's coming from the love. What what he wants, and again, he describes what he wants from Resident Evil, and it it sort of matches with things that we've talked about uh, in why we were so engaged with the Spencer Mansion and how the story was kind of outlaid in that. I agree with that. The thing with Lady D, look, in terms of, it, it's become a separate fandom in itself. And I, I'm not going to like look <laughs> down my nose at that at all. It's completely non-toxic. It's it's totally celebratory. It, it, it's brilliant. But my issue with it is how is the elements of, no, not the elements of that, but is how Lady D, how she affects, you know, th- th- this game. And he's right. I've said this before. It was, it's comedic. When I sh- when it when when it should be scary, and I found it very difficult to just in terms of that character model uh, and and how she was presented to be scared of of I I'm, mean that I'm was a gameplay mechanic wasn't I'm gonna
1: it? I'm going to give I'm going to give Capcom a bit of a pass here because I don't think they quite knew what they had with Lady D. It all blew up, didn't it, after the second trailer. But she was already in the first trailer. Um, I think it was only the second trailer where they real where people realized, "Oh my god, she's really tall." And I don't think anyone really quite picked up on it. So the internet exploded after after that, by which time of course so much of the game was already done and everyone was like, "Oh, I can't wait to see Lady D in action." And they're like, "Oh, she's not really in it that much." And we I think we called it really, didn't we? We just everyone was like I think she's going to be out, you know, first boss and then done, that kind of thing. So I I, I know what you're saying, George, I I I wouldn't give Capcom too much of a hard time over Lady D because I think it was just something that happened very organically on the internet that they had no idea was really going to happen. They played up on it, don't get me wrong afterwards, but...
2: I completely agree with you, Nick, in terms of uh, the resp- the reaction to it. Absolutely, they're they're not. I can't. I'm not going to hold Capcom liable to that. And it's great, you know, the sense that it has brought a greater audience, you know, to 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 the series. But I'm just talking specifically in terms of you know Lady within the game uh, as a gameplay mechanic, as a character, and and none, none of that resonates with me in what I would want from a Resident Evil game in terms of the character, um, in terms of how she's presented and how she and an actual the gameplay mechanic as as a stalker. Uh, she's she's she, it just doesn't work like uh, Jack Baker at all
1: yeah, I think Sean, you mentioned on the last podcast, uh, or Rob, uh, one of the, you know, in terms of the list of stalkers, she wasn't that effective at all. She could easily be outwitted, well, un- unlo- unlike Mr. X, who was actually it, quite challenging.
5: It's such a minor part of the game as well. I mean, it only amounts to about probably, you know, not even 10 minutes worth 10 of minutes, time yeah. in, the, in the game. I really liked him. Um, and though he was scathing, I actually found that calling very constructive. So, you know, bravo for that. I have a total agreement with him about what he said about Resident Evil 6, because I kind of alluded to that in the last couple of call-ins. you know, everyone wants, likes to make the comparison to Resident Evil Four, but at times, in terms of like it being such a myriad of ideas and and trying to appeal to so many different fans all in one package, I actually think this probably has more in common with Resident Evil Six. Um, so it's nice that some, someone out there is in agreement. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: long live resident evil 6
5: (laughs) (laughs) by the time you're running around the factory in what is essentially a doom clone doom eternal clone or something like that you would not think that much has changed from like the kind of shenanigans resident evil 6 was pulling it's it's a perfectly valid comparison in my opinion
1: he mentions the witcher i've never played the witcher how similar is it with the because he's talking about the exploratory part of the game was close to The Witcher. I, I I can't comment. I've never played it.
4: So it's the concept of the open open world space and hunting and there's there's elements that but you but you we, as we've alluded to uh, this game pulls from a lot of different you know sources or you could draw a comparison of lines between this and many other games so and and it's, it's it's a common thing and and I guess that the only lament for that which i think we've mentioned before is that you go from a you could say something like four was such an impactful uh game on the industry that influenced other games and so some people might go oh well it's sad to see that eight is is not going down that path and it and re- instead relies on other games, but that's the industry. Games influence each other, just like books influence each other, and movies influence each other. It's not a bad thing as long as it's done well. It doesn't feel like a complete ripoff, and it's you know it's 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 with intent of making the game a better game. Then there's there's nothing wrong with that as far as I'm concerned. You know, mm-hmm. The Witcher wouldn't be a popular series if it wasn't a good thing. So you know you can't necessarily say that's a bad thing. And, and there's, there are other things that you could say that are in here that are like other games too. But there are me- mechanically most things in the game are done well. It's just really. Really, most of our, our quibbles tend to be with the, the the narrative concepts more than anything else, perhaps. And other than that, maybe the boss fights. So,
10: any comments, Batman? I agree with pretty much everything he said. I mean, the boss battles. I wasn't a fan of the the big flying dragon either. It's just that sort of thing just doesn't belong in Resident Evil for me. But I know the series has to evolve. It's you know it's twenty five years old now, so they have to come up with new ideas and concepts. But that sort of thing is just not what got me into the series in the first place. And I never, I've never understood stood the big deal with Lady D I mean like you said she's got this huge fan base and I just I don't get it at all I don't understand where it's come from yeah. but it's, you know for fair, fair play to those who do like her I'm not knocking it but I've got yeah, two I just, I'm, too I'm too good reason. I don't get it
2: these games I don't know for you w- with each inc- with each installment is getting further and further away from the elements of why I fell in love with this series in the first place in terms of the story but very much so now with the, with the gameplay mechanics and I think that entire Lady D fandom has very little if anything to do with with survival horror or you know the investigation that we loved to un- unfolding in the spencer mansion or
5: you say that you say that gt but i found seven was the most beautiful throwback to the original game well no i, I just i loved I, mean, I loved
4: seven and then you've got to think about the fact that fan bases and yeah, people yeah, enjoy yeah. different things for, for differing reasons so four was popular for being different than the original games that came out before it you know things evolve and change and you're not going to love or enjoy all of them and it's about picking and choosing you know the things that you do I mean it's very easy uh, I mean we've talked about this before that there are there are people out there that you kind of start to go why do you still involve yourself in the thing if you haven't liked a game in like 15 years (laughs) like every once in a while a game will come along that you actually go yeah I really enjoy that or I enjoy elements of it or the things that are good about it make up for more than what I don't like about it and and that's 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 perfectly fine there's nothing there's nothing wrong with it I don't and I think that's why the episodes like this where we listen to people calling in with their ideas is great because we we get to listen to a variety of ideas people mention things that perhaps we haven't thought of or others haven't thought of and and that's that's the whole point everyone's got their a different opinion a different entitlement and a different understanding and they will like and dislike things and and no right or wrong really with that at all i know it's such a, an obvious thing to say but it's 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 a great concept but especially in, in a franchise that's been going for 25 years you you know that it has to evolve and has to change and, and you can't expect that everything's yeah. going to be. Please, everyone's going to enjoy everything that happens.
5: We you only have to look at the variety of the call-ins we've had so far. I mean, I know we're working toward mm. the end of them now, but like, the, no two call-ins have been the same. This no. has been probably the most wildly different batch I can think we've had of <laughs> a single game in as long as I can remember.
1: Well, let's keep it going. Our next call-in <laughs> comes in from Stitchfan ninety three. So let's see what he has to say.
5: Uh,
14: hi guys. Hope you guys are all doing well. So for my edition for the Resident Evil podcast, I would like to add my own edition. I come from an uh, Asian background and I have a psychology, criminology degree. Basically what I've done is that from a social cultural point of view, I've tried to analyze not just Resident Evil, but various different kinds of media. In East Asian culture, four is considered an unlucky number due to the fact that its Mandarin meaning sounds very closely to death. A very good example of this application is, spoiler alert, in Village, Ethan Winter's diary early in the game, dated 6th of February, is found just before he is forced back to horror. And just before the final fight with Mother Miranda, It is dated february 10th this is actually a bit of early foreshadowing that he will die eventually at the end of the game Um, if you guys interested i've posted various tweets and um, about this kind of for reference in resident evil and such you may check it out online thank you
2: Oh, there you go they're very different calling from Stitch fan 93 there too, too highbrow for me uh, <laughs> Yeah, but, but it's
4: very you, you say too highbrow in a in a forum where we pick apart every single nutty little detail <laughs> Yeah,
2: and I I've think seen someone... highbrow
4: enough it's good yeah. I thought it was
5: fascinating actually seen these kind of things before but never actually done a deep dive into it but yeah I'll, uh, I'll, I'll certainly check that out
4: I've always been interested by this and this is a little bit of a tangent but it, it, it was I think it was the second Silent Hill Game and I started reading the influences about sort of the the sorts of concept horrors and things that were because obviously the developers were Japanese and they were trying to blend this idea of Western they were influenced by Western movies and and materials but wanting to add that local f- kind of flavour to it and trying to find those things that could blend together and I remember reading through lots of little things that are superstitions things that are uh, you know uh, considered what's the word I'm trying to think of it cons- considered you know yet yeah, taboo or they're symbol symbolic of of things and, and adding those things and dates and numbers are a particularly mm. great thing, especially in, in in various Asian cultures. They they can symbolise something colours as well. So yeah, I can I could imagine there's probably stuff in a lot of the games that we perhaps from a Western audience probably wouldn't um, wouldn't really understand or see because it's not we don't know them. But once yeah. they're pointed out, it becomes much more obvious that they're there and they do influence these
10: sorts of things. There's a couple I can think of off the top of my head in terms of Resident Evil Keeper's Diary in the first game. The final entry has the random number four in it. It. And yeah. although that's supposed to maybe represent the fact that the, you can't remember what date it is, that's also symbolic with the word for death or, you know, associations with death in Japanese and Chinese culture. And, and also the fourth survivor in Resident Evil uh, Resident Evil 2. It's not necessarily because Hunk's the fourth survivor of the game. It's, it's that association with death as well.
1: Uh- Oh, yeah, well, he's Mr. Death. There we go. Well, plenty of food for thought for our listeners there. Thank you, Stitch Fan.
10: Our next calling comes in from regular
1: REP contributor, the selfish gene. So here we
15: go. So the feeling I get playing this game is that very obviously the gameplay comes first and the story second. And most of the story is Ethan being left in the dark, which is really lame, but you guys have been over that. I'm sure every entry in the series is like this, in, that it puts the gameplay experience first, but for me in this title it just feels very obvious. Probably the most obvious since RE4. So, is the gameplay enjoyable enough? And for me, it's line Ball. It's very, very close. There's there's parts that I like, but there's other parts that I I really criticize. And I mostly criticize them for how they just fall short of of being, in my opinion, ideal. I like the gunplay, and the enemies, and the challenge of the game. There's a lot of good environmental storytelling. I like that it's a story continuation. More of that please, Capcom. I like that they don't say the, the vampire word. Lady D doesn't transform into a giant bat, it sidesteps the obvious and doesn't become really derivative of other pop culture and it keeps its own identity. The action's a bit too bombastic and over the top for my taste, but but that's personal. To me it feels like a bit of a, a greatest hits package. Resident Evil has stalker enemies now, so here's our stalker. We have escape room gameplay, so here's our unarmed escape room part. I really like the idea of the optional bosses, like the mill. But now I'm going to get into some criticisms, and I, th- I think the weapon upgrade system is a nice example to, to illustrate my issues. I found the, the upgrade system confusing to be honest, so Ethan can upgrade his guns with the Duke, but he can find gun parts during his adventure, but he can also buy gun parts from the Duke. They want to dictate your play with the part upgrades, but then they also want to offer freedom with the Duke's upgrades. I like both the supreme freedom of the ra 4 style to play how you want, but also the very traditional style where you find the gun when you do. I don't think this hybrid system adds anything of value over either of the two ideas that it draws from. I was expecting it to be like RE4 where the game responds to your weapon usage, but the game will still give you sniper rifle ammo if you sell the gun straight away. Looking into the gun stats after defeating the game, I thought I'd invest in a different loadout on the next game, but unfortunately each gun is mathematically superseded once you collect the next gun in in its class and then the lack of fun exclusive upgrades makes the upgrading system feel undercooked I'm not at all against doing something new but commit to it rather than doing old ideas out of tradition it feels and it feels like it's doing these ideas out of tradition rather than having a system that actually serves the game and I guess that that's illustrated of other issues I have with the game and my criticisms other things in the game have been done before. it village really just falls short, things have been done better. You know, the stalker enemy has been done before, and it's been done better. The escape room gameplay has been done before, and has been done better. It tries to do a lot, and I think it suffers a bit for it. I think if the next entry is like this kind of ghost train, one horror experience to the next, It it won't feel fresh at all. And I really enjoyed that freshness, that slight familiarity with RE7. And in a follow-up to to Village, I'd like to see confidence in any new ideas that that they try.
1: Well, thank you, Gene, for that call in. Always insightful. Places a lot of talk on the weapon upgrade system. Again, something I don't think we've really had a, a good discussion about. Be interested to hear what everyone thinks about that and his comments that there wasn't. It was kind of a halfway house. I'm not. I'm not the best person with guns. I don't and upgrades. I don't really know how it compares, but. Or blocking worked. or systems. All the, or the. Yeah. Um, yeah or... <laughs> in general. Sorry, no. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> He's true. I mean, I, I've always said I don't like games where I have a lot of choices. This is why I can't play
4: Mass Effect. This is why I don't <laughs> yeah. do RPGs. Because I feel I'm always making the wrong decision. Or, I know,
2: John, I had to. I'm or you're gonna... worried
4: about the ones that you haven't made. That's a real common one with those games. Exactly. Really, it's like, yeah. you know, and I,
1: I, am I going to get. Have I know, made the
4: right decision? No. I
1: get angsty in Revelations too about where pick up the gun or not because i can't remember which is a good ending um <laughs>
5: so it, harry giving you the options in the caves in the original resident evil one must have fucked your head totally it
1: blew my mind blew my <laughs> mind <laughs> so it's yeah. it's interesting isn't it it's there, there's lots of there's lots of gun choices in this and Gene's right it's you know there's there's choices and do you upgrade Do you waste all that money on a particular upgrade when then you get a better shotgun for example Point really
2: moaning about it but I just that entire system I wish I could just rip out I just don't want any of it I would much prefer it when you would find the weapons you know as almost like a, a reward for exploration or, or, or a particular enemy boss battle and I would much rather spend my time thinking about which particular weapons worked with which particular boss battle and, and have that you know because so obviously made some really good points you know particularly about kind of ticking boxes rather than actually thinking what would work well for this game Jean mentioned, you know, there are highlights, and so far it hasn't been mentioned in the calls. I loved the areas in the basement, you know, with with the, the blood up to your knees in the blood, and, and the ghouls that you're hunting, and I just felt that they could, it was just so short, I would have loved more of that. There's this section, uh, if you can, guys got to it, where um, you've got these kind of like hanging bodies, and there's these ghouls walking towards you, like sh- or shambling towards you, and there's this one point when there's this very thin corridor, and it's well executed, well thought through, great game design, the way they funnel you in this kind of maze these 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 you know these claustrophobic you know corridors effectively in this passageway and you can't make out what is hanging body and what is the gall coming towards you and it was a great moment and I would have wanted more of those sections it's, it's surprising no one's actually mentioned that yet
1: because I remember that was in the demo as well and was, uh, was a
4: good laugh but okay uh, G- with Gene's call I mean it's it's a case where I, I see what he's meaning he's not just talking about the weaknesses; system he's just talking about a fundamental kind of design concepts which is like there are differently cases where they've done systems but better or different, I don't things aren't always going to be improved, but I definitely can see things like an ammunition system based around what you want, but obviously then it's a fixed pickup collection system which is no different than say the original pre-rendered games where you always knew you get handgun ammo here or whatever, but obviously the difference there was you weren't dealing with like upgrading weapons other than attaching the occasional extra part you found, you know and that's an, an entirely different system, I don't know maybe it's about reinventing the wheel and trying to figure out a new system for this type of gameplay that isn't just aping on previous ones, but as we've kind of established already, most of this, a lot of the things in this are, are reaping ideas or taking ideas and putting them in your way. He made a very good point about the Dimitrescu fight that she didn't turn into a giant bat, so I, I, I definitely agree with that. That could have been that would have been far too on the nose, so. <laughs> Stars, what did
1: you think of uh, Gene's comment about the weapons upgrade or anything else that he mentioned?
5: It's so tricky because I don't mind it from a gameplay point of view, but in universe it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, um, I tend to be against these kind of overly forced game gamey things and that's what I said uh, in the review podcast that it feels very gamey um, in, a, in a in a series that usually hides its immersion pretty well like Resident Evil 7 is very sort of straightforward in terms of it being a cinematic experience and you know you're playing a role in a story whereas this feels like a game to a fault and that is only compounded by like the merchant systems and the weapon upgrades and things like that so I, I tend to find I, I, I agree with him yeah my preferred way as I've said many times of playing Resident Evil 4 is to just negate the merchant altogether and just stick with the three weapons that you can pick up in the game and you can't really do that in this one because the merchant's a lot more forced upon you you still pick up the weapons in world but not quite the same thing
10: batman it was more the ammo crafting thing i had a problem with because there was no urgency about your ammo supplies in this game every time i ran out of ammo you just press the pause button and craft You know, 60 handgun bullets, just like that. Like like Sean says, I prefer my Resident Evil to be a more cinematic, interactive movie experience than like a an arcadey video game
2: one. And that's why an element that I found normal, you know, modes, difficulty level, just too easy. And then there was that almost seemed too far a jump, you know, with the, with the hard difficulty. Uh, is it mad? I always forget. if it's madhouse or hardcore? Is it madhouse? Hard, madhouse? It was hardcore. And that was one. That was a big thing for me. Yeah, Batman. You, you just love that. That that's part. That's one like a pillar, a fundamental element of survival horror. You know that that scarcity of ammunition, and that's what then gives you that huge amount of tension. I can remember being in save rooms in the Spencer Mansion. You know, shitting. I just I can't leave because I've hardly got any ammo in that hunter. I I like that hunter out there. Yeah. Yeah. I just would have wanted more of that this think, is also made
4: sure. as no
5: bad with um, repeat playthroughs by the time you're sort of on your second or third playthrough you look through your crafting menu and mm. as, no, no joke you will have like 60 junk parts and things like that to be able to make bullets it, you know even if you play them on harder difficulties it just becomes so negated with your weapon upgrades that nearly autopiloting through the games
4: I think it was you that had said that you didn't even craft the, something for a large chunk through the game you you just had never used it until you really needed to use it was-
5: I, i'm a fairly conservative sort of player anyway I, I didn't really the only times i ever really needed to craft sort of higher power ammunition was in the boss fights and that was it if i was running low on some sniper bullets
1: i only ever bought the three recipes <laughs> i did because I, I never thought i'd need to need any more i, I, did, I never felt the That's need it. To, to, to buy to have
4: more mines or pipe bombs or anything like that i Do never felt-
5: used the mine? i used the pipe bombs a fair bit but mines i certainly didn't
4: the only time i used the mines was when i was playing the mercenaries game yeah.
8: Uh, they were quite... really handy.
4: Oh, and the uh, if I had them, I'd use them on like the the mill boss because he's really good to he's yes. walking around a lot. So I just drop them on the ground. So boss, boss like him, he was really it was really good to use. But
1: yeah, I, I tend to reserve them for bosses. They're okay actually for Lady D in her form because you can get a couple of because she does walk around a bit on, in in the towers. So you can, you can get a couple of cheap shots using them. So um, but yeah, I never felt the need to craft them or anything like that. Thank you, Gene. Thank you, Gene. Always, always a pleasure my friend. The next in comes in from Mr. Shannaman69.
16: Hey guys, I just wanted to give you some quick thoughts on Resident Evil Village. I really enjoyed Village. For the most part, I think it is really, really well done as far as environments go. The only one that I'm really kind of iffy on is the factory that one it's got good and bad to it so i can't quite put my finger on how i feel about that one the best one for me was castle demitresque because all i could get from it were resident evil 1 vibes and i could just feel the nostalgia hit me and i mean that with a complete and total compliment because i felt all i wanted to do was the game to slow down right there and it does for a little bit so i can just kind of explore the other thing i want to bring up was is how do you guys feel about how they handled chris in this game because for me i feel like when they announced village at the state of play event last year for the ps5 they kind of teased that he'd be doing more of an antagonistic role in this game and well i kind of felt like how yoke did during the announcement podcast you guys did last year where he said i don't think it will mean much i think he Chris is going to do it for a reason, and it's going to be going, and it's going to be like how Leon and Chris were in Resident Evil Six. It's not going to mean anything. I kind of feel like yes, there was a reason, story wise, behind it why he didn't tell Ethan at the beginning with Miranda impersonating Mia. But I feel like it was just for marketing purposes. Anyways, hope you guys have a great day. Enjoy the podcast a lot, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Thanks. Bye.
1: Right, well, thank you so much. A bit more of a positive there. Uh, call in there. Obviously, enjoyed it quite a lot more, which is great Great to see. Uh, two elements he speaks about, the environments. We'll come to that in a second, but ask us specifically, and again, I don't think we've had a big discussion about Chris here. Uh, what did we think of Chris's involvement in the game, and specifically Capcom's marketing with him perhaps being a baddie? I mean, I, I think we all kind of saw through it, didn't we?
2: for me it's almost Chris in this game kind of personifies just all the problems you know with, with the actual game that, and, and, and that it that there was a great idea in there it was just the poor execution you know, I love the idea of a dark Chris I love the viral videos we got with Resident Evil 5 you know the live action with you know Chris with PTSD and, and I I just thought this, this was a great idea I really want to see the characters develop in, in different ways even you know an, an alcoholic Leon you know an embittered Chris that you know has been sidelined and is outside of the BSA and yeah but they just you have the whole execution and we've had to unravel in in the last podcast uh very, very, very kind of detailed and complicated narratives as to why Chris actually and okay maybe okay then we've realized yes yeah, so maybe that does make sense why Chris holds everything back but well, you shouldn't have to you know get to the point of of a convoluted uh podcast to, you know to you know that that you know we want to be engaged in the game we want to find this out in the game so yeah I just the whole execution was 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 poor for me but a great idea and they're trying to get out
4: that point about Resident Evil 6 is really valid too because obviously the whole thing about that Face off between Chris and Leon was the catalyst for how they wanted that game to to, to really coalesce. That was their target idea. That was what kicked off the uh, what would draw those two against each other. So it'd be very interesting to see if there was a target idea here mm. with what they wanted, you know, as well. I think
1: what they handled Chris well. I think they handled Chris well. They said that embittered BS as a... I I think that actual storyline was quite good. I think the yeah. criticism is is about why didn't you tell Ethan what was going on at any point? I think Batman, you mentioned perhaps uh, in the last podcast is at the beginning perhaps it was okay not to tell him at the right at the beginning you know and you need a bit of shock value that's fine but you know why didn't he come clean in, in the reservoir and say look this is you know this is what's going on instead we get you're out of your depth and it's like you we've just taken out two of the lords
5: uh... yeah, that's the funny thing is isn't it is that chris chastises ethan for getting in the way and being useless yet at that point in the game he's done far he's more being... than what Chris achieved so far from what we've seen unless dlc will go into this obviously
4: i think john had a point last time which was really really good which was that you know he didn't trust ethan at the start because you know mold blah 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 like there's good reasons for it it just isn't explained again like if that came across later on so that it was really obvious you'd be like Oh, okay, yeah, that definitely... Now I understand why Chris was holding back, because he didn't... Ethan hadn't earned his trust. He wasn't sure if he could trust Ethan. For all he know, Miranda had turned Ethan, you know, and Ethan was another replacement and, you know, was just as evil as Miranda was you know who knows you don't know and it wasn't until that point and then they, everyone would have been like "Oh, okay that makes sense why Chris didn't tell but instead as I talked about last time the, the game just lampshades the whole thing the Capcom writers just go it'd be funny let's throw in, a, let's throw in some references and reasons for why and blah 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 and then we'll move on like it's not really an explanation
10: I just think Chris Chris's role needs fleshing out a bit more there's obviously a big backstory between him and Miranda because I think all we get is one throwaway line that he's been chasing for three years but it it sort of reminded me of when he was chasing Carla. You know, he's, he's maybe not as vicious as he was in Resident Evil Six, but it gave me that same sort of vibe that there's a bit of personal history between them. And obviously, we were told early on in Six why he was so pissed at Carla, but we just we never get that reason in Village. And I think because we don't know why Chris, you know, we don't know the history between Chris and Miranda, it's sort of lost on us, really, why he acts the way he does in in the game.
1: I was going to say, do you think that would be DLC? Do you perhaps we hold fire on on that element, or do you think D- the DLC that's been announced is Going to be something completely different.
10: I think if the DLC has just been announced like they say it has because of overwhelmingly positive feedback towards the game, then I think it's just going to be a patchwork of dropped scenes that were already created. So maybe some early village stuff we saw in some of the early trailers. So I'd like to see, you know, a Not a Hero part two, but don't think it will be. I think it'll be more sort of the early stages of what happened in the village.
4: And I think they're definitely going to heckle on more of Lady D, seeing as she's popular for that reason too. Yes, Vulgar, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 What I was going to say was the the thing that's interesting is there's there's a potential for like a backstory to that whole thing with Chris in regards to the attempted the ship with the Dolby that created the Dolby incident that there's some connection going on there that goes back to Miranda and the connections that has Chris's involvement in it that is the reason why he has this real deterrence to to stop her because because of how what what's happened and and that could be very well explained and that could it could almost be a story or a movie or a game on its own or a DLC I'm sure if they really wanted to, but I don't know if they'll ever go down that path. So that could de- definitely explain Chris's motivations a lot more going back to that event and and everything that's happened with the BSAA since.
1: Well, thank you so much. Uh, Again, wonderful, wonderful comment there. Um, Our next call-in comes in from Redfield56, so
17: let's play the tape. Hello, this is James. I also go by Redfield55 or 56 on any of the uh, forums or on the Discord there. I just wanted to give my thoughts on Resident Evil Village. Overall, I enjoyed the game and had a great time with it, but there's a few drawbacks to it, of course, as with any modern Resident Evil. And one of the biggest ones I feel is Mother Miranda. She doesn't play a big enough part in that story, especially for how much she is built up over the game. I don't think she's really as big of a payoff or there's not enough scares surrounding her that she feels like she's missing from a good two-thirds of that game almost and that's just a disappointment and that may be tied to the fact that capcom toned down the scares a bit for this game in that she doesn't show up as much and it's a really big contrast when you look at the lords who have strong distinct characters compared to miranda who you don't really get much outside of the lore room where you get to like read through all of her files and her backstory but it feels like it's a dump right near the end and i At least in terms of gameplay, it feels very poorly paced. The other thing I wanted to mention that may or may not have been mentioned already is I do have a lot of enjoyment in the game's influences there. They're very on the nose at times, but I enjoy the fact that Mother Miranda feels like it's a... The boss fight at least feels like it's straight out of Silent Hill, and you can very easily tell and see the influences there. And I like that each boss has their own um, classic horror influences there. That leads to the one other big detriment is I don't understand why we can't return to Castle Dimitrescu as probably one of the strongest environments of the game. You really don't get to spend enough time there, and it's kind of a shame because you can tell there's a lot of care put into it. Well, that's all I had for you guys. i want to keep it brief so have a good rest of your day and i hope it's another lovely podcast
1: thank you redfield 56 uh, again
17: yeah, i was i was annoyed like he was that you couldn't go back
1: into the castle when you came back into the village it was uh, very much drawbridge up that's it you're done which was a shame because if you've missed anything and i'd missed the what's in lady Dimitrescu's bathroom Oh, the lipstick. the lipstick. Yeah, I missed that. I was like, damn it, I was going, this is my second quest. And I was absolutely determined to get everything, and I missed it.
2: I, was like, oh. I just uh, can't understand how they can design this incredible playground for survival horror just so ideal and then just limit it in terms of size If you, we did, I mean thinking back to what we were expecting and and podcasts that, that that were talking about what we were looking forward in the game the exploration and I remember one of the producers saying that in this game we, you're going to be able to approach problems from various different angles and solve go forward in your exploration in, in different ways It was going to be very open world no Peter Fabiano said that no section would be you, know, you could literally go from start to begin um, from start to end and back again no section would, would be sealed off and also they just didn't fill it with it with with enough enemies um sure, you know stars mentioned before about how the pursuit by lady d was a short section but that should have been much larger that should have been a more prominent part of of that gameplay
4: you can go back to the beginning pretty much, though, can't you? You know, so in to... the cabin section and the walk in the snow, yeah, once you slide down that hill, you can go, you can recover most of the village and just about every area except for the
14: castle. So. Yeah, yeah well, which is which
4: is a weird thing that they put the drawbridge up because it would have been interesting just to go back because it's not like you could drop back down off the end of the tower again or anything like that because you'd you assume that the bridge was destroyed. But the rest of that, they could have had you re explore or have to go back to get items or put another treasure in there or, or whatever they not to. So. I've read that
1: there's the, the castle's actually a lot bigger. I think there's a lot more unexplored areas of it, which again could lead itself to TLC, But yeah, you know, they they, they reward you for going back to areas and you fight all the all the Valkyra kind of sub bosses, don't you? The one outside Louisa's house and things like that. They could have they could have allowed you to go back in, um, and then you suddenly find yourself being stalked by another thing. You know, <laughs> that have been yeah. They could have done anything. I wonder it if it's is. just a loading issue.
4: I just it wonder. Was literally
5: if... going to say, could it have just been to save on resources for? The last gen machines
4: yeah yeah yeah, like the <laughs> PS4 and Xbox Three, uh, Xbox One no, it's, it's, it's 360 The law room, come the law cave, comes up again though. Like it's, it is such a exposition dump.
5: I wouldn't have been at all surprised if you'd gone in there and Maria, uh, Mia, was grotesquely dissected on a desk.
4: Why was Mia even still alive? What, what, what why was she being kept alive for? <sighs> P- I <don't> plot. <laughs> plot. I think that's it. I mean, it, it is it. I think it's so that there's some sort of empathy, and yeah, so that Rose had at least some parental a yeah. lift rather than yeah.
5: being I, an orphan I, I think they'd made the decision that they were going to kill ethan off they didn't want rose to be an orphan
4: john did you agree
1: with the with the coolest comment there about uh, mother miranda not getting enough screen time we've got to spoke about at the beginning of um, some of the call today there it, it wasn't enough empathy or understanding of her actual position yeah, and what she's absolutely, to yeah.
10: absolutely, and I stand by what I said in the last one. I think she's one of the worst main series villains we've ever had because there's just not enough to her. You know, we, we know absolutely nothing about her. Can't resonate with her at all. We don't we don't know anything about her, and because of that, it's hard to feel sympathy for her in terms of what she's trying to do. and, and what's her end game going to be? You know, if the ceremony was successful, is she just going to walk off into the sunset? You know, does Actually, she not a, want yeah. world domination like every other villain in the
18: series? That well, a I think that's a question. Not
4: a bad thing to be to be to be nice. Yeah. Like, in a sense, if she doesn't want world domination, but she just wants a peaceful existence in the village with her daughter, well, that's fine. But it's not. Yeah, that's fine, but does not that, that really more... inspire
10: fear? <laughs> no. I and I
5: think that's, that's, uh, that's a cruel irony with the, with with her as a villain. Is that this is probably the first time in the series that you have a character, a, a, a villain, completely overcome with grief to the point where she's doing these these elaborate schemes to try and bring her a sense, bring herself a sense of peace and reunion with her uh, lost child. You know, most of the other villains in the series are, you know, crazy megalomaniacs. Although I suppose you could say Glenn Arius was doing it for personal reasons. but it's, Heisenberg um, is more
4: your traditional enemy in this. Like, he's the one that wants power and control. He, he wants to use Rose as a, a weapon, and, and he's more traditional fit, almost, of that style. Yeah.
5: I know. I know. Previous villains have been driven by a sense of like personal purpose, like Simmons with Ada and and, and whatnot. But this is the first time where they could have really lent on doing some sort of emotional draw to making people feel something for Miranda. And the fact that they that idea down worse than probably any of the other villains in the series is is, all, is just cruel irony almost.
2: I'm thinking of Alex Wesker, but it wasn't just saving herself from from a terminal illness, was it? She, I think well, she wanted uh, she wanted that and well, dominate. Yeah, well, yeah. (laughs) I think the world domination was there first, and then the
10: illness side. Then Alex Wesker would have had a similar problem. If if she'd just been introduced properly in Revelations 2, we got that one scene with her as a human and then she mutated, you know, no one would have cared for Alex. It was only because we'd had previous backstory. Yeah. We knew about her character. That's the only reason it resonated.
4: Well, that's what I was going to say. Think about the people that maybe didn't know that backstory or hadn't really realized about it, To who were just taking that on face value. They probably don't have that depth. It's, it's a lot harder. You've got to... This is the funny thing, because Capcom's got this idea about like making these games... I want not want to say self-contained, because that's not correct, but you know, like, entertaining in of themselves and storytelling should be involved in that process. You need to explain the story within the story. You can't just expect all the ancillary and previous games to always inform players of agency of other... You know, characters or enemies or whatever. Miranda's thing is underbaked because she's never been established before this game and she then isn't explained. But if the explanation came in a previous game but it wasn't like obvious or main, then you would still lose that if you only played Village. You know what I mean?
10: I think she suffers because we don't see her till the end. I mean, you take someone like Simmons, for example, he was a brand new character, but because they introduced him very early on and, and straight away mm. you could see he was this sinister, shady type, you know, you started to resonate and sort of build. Up with him, whereas Miranda, you just get that one scene where she kills a villager, and then we don't see it till the very end, and then you just get that one quick scene, and then she she transforms. I don't know why Capcom
2: yeah. have a problem with we you know with a, a a main game antagonist that can uh, span more than one game. You know, we obviously they you know had they devised one of the most iconic in video game history with Albert Wesker. Uh, and just think what we could have had, you know. We, we, everyone bemoaned how quickly Alex Wesker, you know, died after being introduced, and there was a missed opportunity there. But again, we six, seven, and eight, I mean, I don't understand. They've they've seen they they've they've got the recipe. They've seen the success with what they generated without Wesker. That people are still going on about him, and and you know we're waiting for him to come back no, to the aren't we? But the problem um, is
5: they're chasing Wesker still. That's the problem, and I think I think the answer was in Simmons, but they just didn't have the uh, they just didn't have the idea to develop him further beyond that game. You know, Simmons should be the recurring villain for this series now. Really
1: interesting. You mentioned that the final call in comes in from regular contributor as well, Colin Evo. So hold on to your hats.
18: Hi guys, it's Colin Evo. Know what you're thinking? Off oh, for God's sake! What's he wanting? No, I'm only kidding. Uh, apologies again about the amount of swearing In the last one. Uh, you shouldn't really need to keep this away from the kids' ears this time because I'm going to try not to swear. I can't promise anything, but I will try. So, Village. I really, really, really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot more than I did 2 and 3 remake. Village was... it was good. It was back to being a bit more creepy. The people that say that it's a good game, but it's not a Resident Evil game said that before. People are saying, oh, werewolves and vampires, when will it end? Mate, the original one was zombies, you know. Really, zombies, werewolves and vampires, to me, they come under the same sort of thing. They're all, you know, they're all that sort of horror sort of style. Lady D, I expected her to be in it a lot more. I'd managed to avoid so much of it that I didn't even know about Heisenberg. And when I saw him, I was convinced for the first little while that it was Nick Cage that was doing in because it sounded and acted like Nick Cage. And really... Is a printa- a protagonist chasing you about? Can you really do better than Nick Cage, you know? When he called Chris the Bolden Puncher Boulder punching bleep <laughs> That that did a popped for that big style. Really enjoyed it, found myself engrossed in it. I found it started getting a bit same old, same old round about the time of the factory. But it was still it was still good once I managed to get through that bit. But yeah, I, I did. I really enjoyed it. I found uh, like you guys have said, you know, it's it's answered so many questions but put so many more there as well, but it's tied up a lot of loose ends for me anyway, I feel, and Ethan, I thought, must be, I didn't think infected were moulded still, well, I was unsure, but I thought it was maybe some sort of hybrid of the moulded and one of the viruses, and he was maybe taken to it a bit like my old mate Wesker, who is still alive, and is coming back in Resident Evil Phoenix, and I'll tell you a bit more about that towards the end, there is my theory on how it can definitely happen, but anyway, yeah, just finding out who's moulded, knowing that Chris wouldn't be a bad guy but then thinking what's going on what why is this the initial sort of concept art when I looked at it again I was convinced Chris was going to be a werewolf but I was wrong about that but overall I thought it was quite a good game I really enjoyed it it's it was I I, I don't know I, 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 I did I enjoyed it quite a lot I would go and play it again over the other ones and I'm looking I'm forward to the next one uh, hopefully it's as good as this one Sort of in leaving here. The reason why Wesker can still be alive, I know he went into a volcano and it's molten hot, but Ripley fell into molten, molten lava, didn't she? And he managed to clone her. So why can they not clone Wesker? He's alive. I'm telling you. Thanks, guys, and yeah, thanks for the podcast and everything that you do. Peace. Yeah, Albert Wesker's coming back, and he's going to kill Colin.
1: What a way! What a way to end our last call! And I um, thought it'd be quite amusing. But uh, talking about Albert Wesker, if we can we cannot escape him in this fandom. It is impossible. Oh, someone give
4: me a drink.
5: <laughs> he, I, I burst out laughing when he said Nick Cage. I was just not expecting that at all.
1: But what a lovely positive! I think for a lot of people uh, and myself included, you know, this was is a, certainly a fun game. It's uh, I, I felt it was more Resident Evil than say Resident Evil Four. So I get what you're saying uh, about that and lots of twists. And turns whether you think all the twists and turns worked, it, you know, the actual I thought often said that the actual in game kind of storyline that you're progressing through with Ethan keeps you guessing, keeps you on the edge, edge of your seat as to where's this, you know, raises those questions about what, why is Chris so pissed off, what have I done, that kind of thing. So I think it worked, and I do think it's one of the most replayable RE games in a long time. So, um, um I, I think it's a really po- a real positive and uh, some good comments mm. there from
4: Colin. He raised a really interesting thing about um, the, the lore concepts and how people see the, the difference between zombies and, say, vampires and werewolves and stuff. It's interesting. I think there's a there's a key thing that has always been tied into zombie lore, which is that it's very easy to see, and this sounds really weird to put it in when I'm about to say this, but humanity within zombies, you know what I mean? Because they are just people at the end of the day. They're not transformed, they're just the walking yeah. dead. They're us beyond death. And Whereas vampires and werewolves have always seemed a little bit more fantastical because there's transformation, there's change and not it seems like not everyone can be a vampire in a, in a general sense in the law even though you could change anyone most people become victims of vampires whereas anyone can become a zombie and i think that's the way big detriment but also benefit to how people see those things is quite different I, I don't know if i agree as I, I could put them in the same realm but it, they're still fantasy monsters but awesome. there's a bit more humanity to zombies perhaps that people see themselves and
2: yeah that's a, that's a really good point um kenichi Iwa, who wrote the mer- Uh, you know, the writer from Resident Evil and he wrote some of the files and he wrote The Keeper's Diary. That was the, the purpose behind, you know, the narrative of the Keepers die was, was to get across the humanity, you know, in the zombies, and he he didn't want people just to, you know, to see them as kind of of, uh, you know, as cannon fodder. He wanted, you know, to see the human, you know, behind that, the humanity in that. Yeah, it's a good point.
4: It, it's always one of those things I remember back, and this is this is to the credit of the original games as well, is that I always remember thinking not just about the humanity, but what the mansion and what the labs would have been like before the outbreak because of the, those files, because these people existed in these rooms, like what it would have been like living in that. That environment and working in those labs and stuff because of those those are written in it and it's the same with the the rpd with the police like what it would have been like to be a normal day in the police station and having to deal with chief irons and and all that sort of stuff like i always that that was quite interesting and i think that's something i do feel i lose later in the franchise when it becomes these big fantastical elements and crazy monsters i I'm not thinking about so much what life in the village would have been like for the villagers except for maybe during those credits when you see that kind of narrative story going on it makes you think a little bit more about what the village life would have been like and that, yeah, what it would be a, like to, to, to have those sorts of things happening in the village
2: yeah that's a great opportunity we could have quite quite a few files I and mean, we had that a little bit with Revelations 2 you know from the, the, the notes we got about what life was like before Alex came to the island and how she you know you know, and initially that you know she was seen as a saviour as a, a goddess you know could have definitely had that a lot more in this game I think like you say, but, you know, Neptune mentioned the, the rooms were so detailed and beautiful when, when we started exploring the village. Yeah, uh, I imagine maybe the DLC will pick up on that, because yeah, we, we saw, you know, these characters had a lot more prominence in some of the early trailers, Louisa you know, particularly, and in, 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 so I'm sure we'll probably get that in the DLC, but yeah, we could, that was a missed opportunity. We could have definitely got a lot more
5: Narrative in the GT. It grieves me to this day
2: when I watch back that first trailer now. I think that's gonna be we're gonna get that though, aren't we? Do you, I feel with the oh, DLC.
1: We'll have to see. We'll keep an eye. We'll keep an eye. That is it for all our call ins. I'd like to say a big thank you to everyone who has taken their time out to send us our call ins. I think everyone would agree here we've had an, an eclectic mix of, of different call ins and opinions and viewpoints that really have opened up mm. the floor to a lot more discussion, which is why we do these podcasts because um, we we just think it's important for people to share their views. And as I said, it, there's so much things to talk about, especially in this game. It's useful to uh, to hear what everyone else to say. So I'd like to say thank, say thank you to everyone. And uh, whenever the next big game comes out, I'm sure we will do another community call-in podcast. Um, but of course, we will accept call-ins for other podcasts as well. So uh, if there's anything that comes up, we'll let you know. And then uh, feel free to send them in to us. Long live Albert Whisker. <laughs> there we go, there we go. (laughs) so that does uh, finish our uh, trilogy of Resident Evil Village coverage it's now time for the season finale of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz for the past eight years and five seasons we have brought you groundbreaking lore in-depth analysis game
10: reviews, and high-quality content. We've also brought you untold controversies, countless tales of underhand tactics, all in aid of the quiz.
5: Uh, i just like to announce everybody that uh, this is zero points for me this week. Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye
4: so my nomination person said seven but i didn't agree with seven and i said it was 17 and then you said it was 17.
2: i didn't want people to think i'm cheating by just saying the same number that someone else has said so i just just the next number that sounds similar seven to 17 17. i
18: swear i did
2: not cheat G- yo jeez that's, that's an
10: question. Is that?
1: Quite frankly, if if we only got one point and that's the winning score, then we're not doing our jobs right and we're all going to have to hand in our biohazard (laughs) cards.
4: Welcome to Neptune's Biohazard Quiz.
13: Batman.
5: Star Tiring. George Trevor
19: Rumpy the Cracker Mr. Spicer Neptune biohazard quiz
1: welcome one and all it is the last edition of neptune's biohazard quiz in season six we have a decent mix of questions from uh, from the community that have sent them to me it's our standard five questions so if everyone can clear their desktops let's begin question number one comes in from aaron zed what is Billy Cohen's prison number? Question number two comes in from Jordan Osiris. In the Medikit version, or the Medikite version of Resident Evil, what slogan is on Chris's alternative costume? In the... In the I movie, don't...
5: I, yeah,
2: I'm, media kite. Said I'm in
5: Medikit version. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> What's the Mediakite? Mediakite, media assume... the publisher on PC, I believe, isn't it?
1: Oh, I've never... <laughs> I've never He's heard
5: of. In medic version. <laughs> I'm completely.
1: Why did he? Why did he say PC version? Fine, I'll rephrase. In the PC version of Resident Evil, what slogan oh, the is on Chris's alternative costume? Question number three comes in from a uh, listener, Easter Strada. Well, in Resident Evil remake, you find someone who has taken their own life, so they weren't zombified. Before doing so, they killed another person. Who was this?
2: I was thinking of this far before we were talking about, you know, the humanity. I thought you
1: might have been. I thought as we were talking about it.
2: People talk about the uh, Keeper's Diary, but um, this This this, one's pretty good. There's a few, yeah, there's that, yeah, and the suicide note as well.
1: Question number four from Vito. (laughs) Oh yes, oh, oh. No. it's not too bad. <laughs> it's not too bad. In Resident Evil Survivor, what is the date of the first report made by Nikolai? Finally, question number f- Oh, What's that noise?
7: <laughs>
1: oh, it's the non-canon alarm. Oh my days, brace yourself. No. This this question is even more non-canon than normal. It's so non-canon, it's meta. This comes in from Mako. This was something that was actually mentioned in a previous podcast, so were you paying attention? Which pop band would regularly have their music played at the Biohazard Cafe?
2: Ooh, why is it non-canon? Because not. the Biohazard B- cafe
1: is not a canonical. Oh, so- I was miles away. Something Alex of... told us, but now I can't even uh, remember. It, it is. I was thinking something. of the
2: band that you get referenced in Outbreak. I wasn't thinking of the Biohazard cafe.
1: Regularly had their music played at the Biohazard cafe in Tokyo. Oh which, my god! What's... Which band? Just a was... real band. Yes. Oh yeah,
2: very much so. I mean, really. that, like you see, yeah, that's beyond non-canon. That's, that's what like, I said. Any... <laughs> just ask us anything. Ask... ask That's us not, not even like... a Resident Evil. I know. Just ask us anything. No. Ask us about. Who just resigned from the cabinet? In I mean, <laughs> they are the
1: five questions. We're going to go straight to the answers. Let's see how everyone has done. So that first question from Aaron Z: What is Billy Cohen's prison number? Batman.
10: Uh, I have no idea. Two seven five. Start no time. WKD4496 <laughs> I think you're getting it mixed up things I that,
5: was that some... <laughs> might be wrong I don't That's
4: know about funny. you it popped into my head too so was it was the oh, first thing where I was no. like you go. No, there's a different game see there
2: oh. here lies the difference between someone who smokes weed and someone who doesn't Sean turns it into a oh, joke Sean has the wit to turn it into a joke whereas I was sat here thinking I swear I know this I swear I know this and I was thinking W but no that it's the wrong person I was thinking of <laughs> George yeah. do, you, do you know uh, well, Billy I thought Cohen's I did but then Sean turned it into a joke and I realised no that was what for so no I don't I should have been paying more attention no
4: ok Rombie? 1020 I don't know I have no idea
1: <laughs> I'm gonna give it to you Rob it's 1036 pretty impressive so yeah it's 1036 so good point from the New Zealander question number 2 in the PC version of Resident Evil what slogan is on Chris's alternative costume Starring...
5: I actually don't know this it's a variation of his made in, it uh, is. made in heaven leather jacket but I don't know I honestly don't know what's on the back of his uh, PC version it's the it's the what I've had the least amount to do with that version of the game unfortunately so I don't know
1: I'll give you a bit of kudos there for working out that yeah it's a variation on the made in heaven one so uh,
4: Romby did you know no idea I used the PC version a lot back in the day to take screenshots so I should have remembered this but did you, you have the
5: medikit version Rob
10: <laughs> <laughs> Batman did you know I'm um, not suitable for tumble drying <laughs> George Trevor, did you know?
2: No, I have no idea. No.
1: The answer was Brave Bomber. Brave Bomber. Ah, it's a
5: outfit, okay. isn't it? Yeah.
1: It is. Yes. Very good. It's a good question. Play. I think the
5: picture is a plane, isn't it?
1: It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. Thank yeah. you, Jordan. Good question. Yeah. Question number three was uh, from East Estrada. It's in remake one. You found uh, someone who took their own life that weren't zombis- zombified before doing so. They killed another person. Who was this? Star Tyrant.
5: I have no idea. I don't pl- really play the remake much these days, and I'm assuming this is related to the suicide it, it, note or something like that.
4: It is a remake. We'll come to George last, because he sounded quite confident. Romby? <laughs> I had no, I, no idea. I I was jo- jokingly going to say it's when, like, when Nikolai sh- shoots uh, Murphy, because he's technically not zombified, but I have <laughs> no idea. Batman? Robert. Okay, George Trevor?
2: I don't know. I just This was my only opportunity for a point this week. I'm sure it's the guy in the bathroom. I can see it, you know, reading it. He puts him out of his misery. He does, yeah. It's a good oh, part. Fuck. I was going to say Derek. Robert... I'm going to even go as far as say Robert doesn't sound right. Derek, oh, I I don't know. I'm going to say Derek, but I don't
1: Derek. Know. It's not Derek. It is Robert. A point oh, to oh, Batman. Robert, well, well, well done. done no, Derek Wesker, of course, yeah, is is due <laughs> to <laughs> appear. Here we go. So point to Batman. Well done. Well done. Question number four: a timeline question from Vito here with a Resident Evil survivor. When was the date of the first report from Nikolai Batman? August fifth, ninety-eight. George Trevor, did you know?
2: No, I honestly didn't. I'm not. There's no point even guessing. I've no idea because yeah, I just say think something close to what John said, but I, I wouldn't even I, I was I had ninety eight, but nothing other than that. No,
4: Romby? Uh, I knew it was August ninety eight, but I didn't know the date. I'm gonna guess eleventh. Starstone.
5: Start. Likewise, I knew it was August um ninety eight because it's the the first page is the report on the mansion disaster. Yes, there's no point in me yeah. even trying to fucking guess now because I know John's gonna have the answer right. This <laughs> says I'll just say I'll just stick with my original answer of August ninety eight.
1: Batman is correct. It is will, the fifth. <laughs> August. Well, it's a if you had. the I'd have believed you, Sean, if you had said I had the fifth in my
10: mind. So there we go. Oh, I,
5: I honestly didn't. I knew it was August.
10: Uh, Should I win the whole thing by default if it was a veto question I got right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. And finally, question. Well,
1: this this is this is the, this is the crux of your knowledge. This one. Question number five. Which popular band have their music played at the Biohazard Cafe in Tokyo? Batman. Do you remember? I can't remember
10: this being mentioned on a previous podcast. What was Alex mentioned it in episode sixty-four oh it would help if i was well, there I know. no idea the deaf leopard i don't know <laughs> deaf leopard
2: george trevor <laughs> my initial answer was the big e it, it, I, it, no it, it's completely misunderstood the question yeah think of um, a band I, well it's gonna obviously group. be a japanese band and i don't know any j-pop bands really
1: i'll give you a clue it's not j-pop
2: no um oh,
5: okay that's
2: interesting but it's obviously it's gonna, it has to be a japanese presumably it's bars in japan I don't know. I've no idea. Elton John.
5: Elton
1: John. Okay, start start.
5: Well, until you said it's not, 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 not a Japanese band, I was gonna say Rise, who obviously did Gunshot ah, yeah. for yep. Dead Aim. I have no idea. Spice Girls. Nick
4: <laughs> Spice Girls. Interesting. Rombie? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sean. Sean just took what I was about to say because I remember Alex telling us about the people getting up to yeah, dance.
5: Got something that. in the pinch of my mind.
4: Was it Spice Girls? Yeah, I'm now. I'm now. I'm like, was, it, was it Spice Girls? Was it Vinga Boys? Was it something like that? It, it was so rare so really whatever it was. I'm going to be, i wanted to say but because, because Sean's already said I'm gonna say
10: Venga Boys. If it's Venga Boys, I'll I'll concede the whole series to Rob <laughs> <laughs>
2: I can't that. Remember. Do you remember that. I, know, I remember oh what Alex God. telling us, and
4: it was—it's now bugging me because I remember the description, but I cannot remember which which music he said. Oh, so this is infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> when
5: you first, ask that question. The first thing I jumped in, into my head was Spice Girls, and now you've said about alec I'm thinking as a memory just pinched the back of my brain and is informing that. So, Nick, Nick, take it away. <laughs>
1: Your memory serves you well. It is that's the Spice Girls.
2: What the <laughs> hell? I knew was... oh, why is that... this series coming to you? The moment
5: the moment <sighs> Rob said about Alex and and him mentioning it, I'm thinking fucking hell, that's I think that's where it's come from.
4: I shouldn't have said that, damn <laughs> it. There we go. There we
1: go.
10: How how are you coping there, Batman? I mean, we've we've talked about the games straying too far from the origins. This Resident Evil <laughs> quiz. If we're now getting Spice <laughs> Girls as the correct answer, I mean it's time to quit, isn't it? <laughs> Let's have a look at the final scores of the
1: final edition of Neptune's Bio Has a Quiz of this series. This week's winner is Batman with two points. Well done. Well done. (laughs) in joint second Rombi and Stars Tyrant with a solitary point George Trevor holding everyone else up with a 0 out of 5 this week so that does conclude as I said the final Neptune Spy has a quiz for the season but as this is the season end we must actually crown an overall winner so factoring in tonight's result let's have a look at the final scores as per the number of quiz victories you have scored oh, so throughout season 6 pro John's at a disadvantage the number of episodes he was for has he let's have have a look with one quiz victory it's george trevor dear oh dear congratulations well done tying equally with guest so well done (laughs) (laughs) thank you so no worries with three quiz victories Four if you count Biohazard Stars is Rombi. Congratulations. You. Also with three quiz victories is Stars Tone. Uh, four here if- we go. <laughs> four if you count Biohazard Stars. But the overall quiz winner with four is still the Batman. Well done. <laughs> well oh, done. Awesome. Have I ruined your plans by r- winning tonight? <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> no, no. no. Well, the question I hear you ask is, what does this all mean? What does it
3: all mean?
1: Well, <laughs> ask no <laughs> more. The, fight, the season finale round is here. And everyone is in with a shout. I hope you like classic game shows. As we play a game, I am
19: tentatively calling
1: Neptune's Price is Right.
19: Welcome to Neptune's Price is Right.
18: Ah, I'll buy it at a high price. Got some
19: rare things on sale, stranger. Got a selection of good things on sale, stranger. If he's not writing his confidential reports, he's watching a movie about a giant killer fish. It's your host, Nick, better known as Neptune.
1: So welcome to Neptune's Price is Right. The crowd are electric, so let's meet our contestants. Batman, come on down. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs>
2: Thanks for the steps, John. He's getting old.
1: <laughs> Stars, Tyrant, come on down. Rumbi, come on down. And George Trevor, come on down. I hope look, By the way, I hope you've watched Prices is Right. Is yeah, it I'm, in New Zealand? I'm,
4: I'm, yeah, I've seen it. At some. That's okay. It, there's there's been variations. I've seen. Good. I've seen it at various points. Don't worry.
1: I'm your host Neptune, and it's nice to see you. To see you. We are here to play a series of games with some wonderful, fictitious prizes. As always, with the Prices Right, you'll be faced with some glorious items that you need to bid on. The person who bids the closest will win the prize and the points. Remember, you can be anywhere under, but not one pound over. But first we need to find out who's going to bid first, so this is where your quiz victories come in crucial. So, our overall quiz winner has been the Batman, so you can decide if you want to bid first, or last.
5: John is actually silently dying in the corner I can hear him.
2: I'm just very confused. I haven't got a clue what's going on.
5: That man, did
1: you want to bid first or last? He's abandoned, Mike. Is he gone? Is he gone? <laughs> He's run off.
10: Sorry, I just had to have a moment there. <laughs> um <laughs> bagging his head I'll I'll bid last they don't understand what's going on you'll you'll get
1: it very very good tactically so here we go only the best two players will go through to tonight's showcase so think carefully and in the event of a draw previous quiz results will be considered so without further ado let's have a look at that first item
19: well looky here, we have a gorgeous wooden beerstein mug, handmade in rural Spain, suitable for Zatapa beer. This edition comes with three cat's eye jewels already inserted.
1: It's how much is that worth in Resident oh, Evil 4, if Christ you sell me. it to the merchant, yes. Yeah. Oh Jesus, this, You'll this get
2: is it. a great idea for a quiz, but... It I'm is, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. We
1: know Batman's going last, so Romby, what is your bid, sir? Fifteen thousand. Fifteen thousand. Remember, you can go uh, any under, but not one pound over. Stars, tyrant. What is your bid for this beautiful beestine mug?
5: I thought it was thirty thousand.
1: George Trevor, what is your bid on the beestine mug with three cat's eye jewels inserted?
2: Well, with all the jewels inserted, I was going. I was thinking twenty thousand. It's per isn't it? The cars. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, twenty
1: thousand. Batman. I'm going to say
2: thirty-five
10: thousand.
1: 35,000. Oh, there's the bell. Someone is spot on. <laughs> Congratulations, George Trevor. It is worth 20,000 pounds.
2: I don't want to well... sound ungrateful. Why can't I get the law questions right, man? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking prices, white questions. Oh, dear, <laughs> well Point but
1: b- Yeah, 20,000, whatever. Whatever currency it needs to be.
19: Here's your second item. Listen carefully. For all you cat lovers out there. A beautiful 24-carat gold link statue. This item, also from rural Spain, comes with three eyes, all of which are befitted with beautiful gems. As a winner of the last one,
1: George Trevor, you can go first.
2: I'm taking this quiz far too seriously. <laughs> I'm spending this long thinking about it. 10,000. Oh, no, wait, wait, sorry, how many jewels, sorry? All th- with the three jewels. With, oh, with the three, all. Oh, can I reduce? 7,000. I think I'm going a bit high there. Seven. Stars Tarrant.
5: 18,000.
1: Romby. I'm going to do Batman? 15 Well, I can say that all of you are under. Correct answer and the correct value of the Golden Link statue, 35000 So, So, yes, a point to Rombi. Well done, you. Now, here's your third item.
19: Known as the heart of Africa, this stunning transparent gem was procured from West Africa, but only by someone who was able to repel a god within the seven-minute deadline that's provided.
1: Rombie is winner from the last one. You can go first. What is your bid? Quite valuable. I'm going to say fifty thousand.
5: Stars, turn? I think that is one of the two most valuable items in RE5, and I think it's. Can we can we go with the same?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't think you can in prices, right?
5: Price. Then I'll go. <laughs> I'll go forty thousand then. Forty thousand. I think it's quite high. If I can't have the same as Rob, I'll go for to... George Trevor,
2: seventy-five thousand.
5: Batman, what is your bid? Eighty
1: thousand. I'm afraid you are all over. It's only ten thousand for the What
16: it Ugh. is?
4: Yes, very low, wow. very low. You'd think something that you have to get that put that much
2: effort in. Yeah, yeah. Completely
4: forgotten that. No point. To you, last you. time I played it, Nick, it was with you, and we it's, didn't beat them. So. We didn't get anywhere near that. So no point.
2: completed Evil 5. <laughs> <laughs> so <What? you're> <laughs> I refuse. I. And, I it's like I still out, like when I stole out. your membership
4: card now.
2: <laughs> No, no, I stormed out of the cinema. I don't, I'm I'm not, that's, it's not survival horror. I don't accept this.
4: (laughs) Sorry. This is the the game, not the movie. No, I know. It
2: was my version of, you know, storming out Ah, okay. Just, I didn't rage quit. I just depressed quit.
1: Closest person there was Star Siren, but he was over, I'm afraid. So you can't be, you can't be over. Not, not in this game.
5: I don't take it personally.
1: Your
19: fourth item. What a wonderful collection of brand new products from Nico's Hardware in Dolby, Louisiana. We have a high grade tree saw four lots of premium strength rope and 20 pet collars don't forget to add the tax to this what's your bid Star Siren? you can go first
1: 56
2: dollars Josh trevor i was thinking the number because i remember reading this might uh, allude to something in the game i can't think if it's relevant even the number in it oh, oh 100 dollars romby 450
10: 450 dollars Batman. I remember it thinking it was quite expensive for what he'd bought. I think it's <laughs> something like six, $600. dollars
2: you get a lot cheaper up north of that stuff, wouldn't you? Oh, why? Oh, why? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the correct
1: answer and the, the, the value of these four wonderful items... Rombey you take the point as being the closest because I'm afraid Batman you are over cannot Mm. bid over there we go
19: and our final item we have recovered a bag of swag that was suspiciously says bribe on it it must be the secret payments made to the chief in 1996. Payments were made in April, September, October, November, and
2: December.
4: How much is this, Romby? Oh God, six hundred and eighty thousand.
2: George Trevor. Are these Birkins payments from Resident Evil Two? From Outbreak, yeah. Oh, but okay.
1: yes, it's the same thing. But the files from Outbreak. Yeah.
2: Was there nothing? Wasn't there a file in Two about? There is, payments? yeah. Fifty thousand.
5: Stars Tyrant? Eighty thousand. Batman. Fifteen thousand.
1: Well, the total value of the swag, $20,500. Points to Batman. Well done. So let's have a look. Who is the overall winner of uh, the first round of Neptune's Price is Right? The two t- the two players going through to the final, and for your showcase, is the Batman and Romby. Congratulations. So it is Rombi and Batman to bid to become a champion of Season 6 of the So here we are Congratulations you two The winner of this round Will decide who Is the season 6 champion Now we're going to show you A lot of prizes here You must mentally Add them up in your head And then make That winning bit As a reminder You could be anywhere under it But not one pound over it But in the event Both of you are over We'll see who's the closest
2: (laughs) This has turned into The generation game
1: This gentlemen Is
19: your showcase Your showcase begins with a dazzling pear and ruby gem from West Africa. A perfect gift for a loved one. Provided they aren't infected with Las Plagas, of course. But never fear, because if they are, you can give her this. A dead bride's necklace! This charming neck jewellery comes with a beautiful African design that would look fantastic on anyone, dead or alive. And looking good is essential if you want to live it up when you jet off to the world-famous Raccoon City Jazz Festival. That's right, taking place in Raccoon Park between the 19th and 20th of September, we're paying that entrance fee. And don't think we're scrimping on the accommodation either. Oh no, as you'll be staying one night at the magnificent Never on Fire Apple Inn. Room 101 is waiting for you and includes a full room service, laundry and a service charge, even a finger licking afternoon tea. And what's more, we're throwing in some spending money as well. That's right, courtesy of Hector, the best friend to the RPD officer Wes, the money he was lent to him. It's yours. Spend it however you like while exploring this beautiful midwestern city. But one more thing you won't need to spend that money on is a brand new first edition Charlie doll. That's right, this exclusive collectible toy from Toy Uncle will now be yours at its introductional price. A glorious memento from your holiday in Raccoon City, as long as you're out by the 1st of October. It's an exciting showcase, and will all be yours if the price is right. Wow,
1: so there you go, you have it. I'm sure everyone will agree. This well is done, Nick, that was
2: very well. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> that was very good, well done. This is
1: simply a life-changing or even life-ending showcase, and it can all be yours if you give me the cost of this showcase. As a reminder, you have the ruby pear gem, the, bread, the dead bride's necklace, the entrance fee to the Jazz Festival, one night at the Apple Inn. So that's spending money. Sorry, and these that- are like
2: prizes <laughs> on Bullseye at the end.
1: <laughs> and that limited edition Charlie doll. The tension is unbearable here, ladies and gentlemen. So Batman, can you give me your bid? What is your bid on the showcase?
10: Uh, 200 quid.
1: No, seriously. Yeah, 300 quid then.
10: 300
1: pounds? Yeah. 300 pounds. Rombi, what is your bid on these items? 15,700.
2: Yeah, I think we've got a winner here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) 15,700. 700. 700. Both of you... Oh, way off <laughs> but one of you is less way off than the other person <laughs> our winner for series six of neptune's biohazard quiz it's the batman congratulations with 300 pounds as being your guest the actual answer is 3640 pounds and 53 <laughs> pence congratulations batman
10: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's that silly rule, if you, if you go a pound over, I, I knew I'd, I'd bet 10p and I'd probably be safe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you I,
1: I, The answers to all the questions, in case you were wondering, a uh, £1,000 or whatever the currency is for the Ruby Page gem, £2,000 for the necklace, Ten dollars for the entrance fee. Twelve. Remember that one. You remember that one. Twelve. dollars <laughs> for, for the afternoon tea. Uh, Apple in six hundred for the uh, money you owed, and eighteen fifty-three for the Charlie doll. So, what an ending to the show! What an ending to the season! I've been Neptune, your Biohazard quiz host. Join us next podcast for the start of a brand new series. Good night. <laughs> there we go that does finish our uh, podcast and season and i hope everyone enjoyed our little escapade into british game show history <laughs> there we go but uh thank you everyone as well for calling in. and a big thank you to Proppy 54 for your voice over talents there with the ending to uh, neptune's prices right very much appreciated mark coming up on our next podcast and the start of season seven you're gonna just have to wait and see but we won't have to wait too long for it so keep your eyes open and keep an eye on all our social media outlets uh, for episode seven. But on that note, I'd like to thank everyone again for all their call-ins and contributions to this podcast. It is goodbye for me, Neptune. Goodbye for me, Batman.
5: Goodbye for me, Stars
2: Tyrant. Bye for me, George Trevor. And
8: goodbye for me, Robbie.